Episode 171. Hot shot, Scott. Drinking from not a Mitch Unfiltered. We should get a Mitch Unfiltered Ember mug going, shouldn't we? Oh, I like oh. it. I told you I want to do ads for him. I'm ready. You let me know. Hey, it's Hot Shot Scott here for Amber Mugs. So funny you that like you like a hot beverage. So funny that you and I independently found I this. That you got it for yourself. I got it for my wife. That's the difference between you and me. See. Well, the truth is, my wife got it for me from Father's Day. I'm a fantastic <laughs> husband and or father, from what I hear. So, but the the, the bad part was is that I yeah. told you it sat in the box for like six months. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's got an app. It's a whole thing. I don't know. And every time she came to the office, she would like give me the eyes, like, "Come on, are you gonna do?" And I was like, "What? What's what's the big deal?" And then I. I I looked up how to work it, and then I saw the price of it because I didn't know how much they were. Yeah, they're not cheap. So no. now I see why she kept checking on. Hey, dude, I spent some money on this. Let's go. Let's 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 use it here. Well, it's not even the fact that she spent money on it. Don't you, when you get somebody a gift, want them to use the gift? Who cares how much money she? The fact that you would just leave it in the box sitting there is kind of a shot, isn't it? Should I ring the bell on that? Yeah, I think you should. That's and not she, very she, nice. She she definitely took it that way. I just of thought it was a lot of work. Did. I don't know. My 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 phone is full. I can't add any apps. Or I don't and now know. you love it, right? I told you I'm running around the house looking for things <laughs> to heat up at all times. I actually had to do some work outside. I was like, all right, Ember, I'm putting you to the test. It's like 40 out, and I'm gonna have you outside, and we'll see if you keep it warm outside. So, and it did. So it's a mug for people who don't know. It's it's the newest thing or one of the newest things that a lot of people are getting for the holidays. It's a coffee mug that keeps beverages at a certain temperature you set the temperature right what 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 temperature do you set your your mug well mitch i'm glad you asked typically let's see here i typically like 139 139 uh, probably can't see that no, but okay yeah i'm at 139 but 139. just know they have a they also have a travel mug so for you parents oh. like soccer parents or oh. cold baseball softball parents oh i mean how brilliant i mean you don't drink coffee but no no i don't drink anything I would go hot watch no, I would go watch Piper play softball at six o'clock and buy, you know, I'd, I'd get a big hot drink at six and at 620, it's Beautiful. ice cold. No good. So now with, with this travel mug, I may have one in my stocking. Depends on how I did this year, but I guess we'll see. Well, it also depends on how long it'll take you to use it. it, it, it probably <laughs> seven out of high school. <laughs> hot, That's right. Hot shot. What are we doing about the world? Utter chaos in the world, utter chaos in the sports world, all the way down yeah. to youth athletics. Yep. Your your daughter plays youth sports. I'm I'm assuming that many of her games were canceled or not. Yes? Yeah, so they found out that a teammate that she played not one, not two, but six games with last oh weekend God. tested positive, right? So, oh, no. um the select uh what's it called? ETL, I think. Yes. ETL was Eastside canceled. Travel League, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was all canceled, but then her AAU team actually played on Saturday and that kid plays on that team, of course she didn't, but but then that was canceled Sunday. Oh, and yeah, everything's canceled and college basketball games are canceled and yeah. It's uh, well, feels like it's rearing its ugly head again. So you know that my son is a sophomore in high school and he plays Kinko basketball. He does. Yes. I too played in the Kinko League. I'm and, a big fan. And he had games scheduled for last Friday and Saturday. Both were canceled. And now he's been told he will be tested three times a week for the remainder of the season starting this week. Gosh. And I'm just thinking with the way everything's spreading. I mean, you look up at the NFL, you can't even keep track of these teams putting guys on the COVID list. It's unbelievable. It's remarkable how this yeah. thing, this this newest variant is spreading. I can't even imagine when they start testing high school kids like sophomores mm -hmm. and juniors, freshmen, I can't imagine how many of these guys are going and gals are going to test positive, are asymptomatic and going to test positive, and teams are not going to be able to field teams, don't you think? Yeah, a friend of mine teaches high school, uh, and he said there was 100 kids that tested positive last week. But those 100 kids probably had symptoms, and... Went to get tested. Yeah, there's probably a bunch that 
don't feel anything and don't know they're uh, carrying it. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm petrified to find out if he's going to. I don't want him to miss games, but uh, we'll find out this week whether he's positive or his teammates are positive. And and, and this is going to be three times a week now. I guess it's the new the new era of youth sports and high school sports. So I, I just it's crazy. Sorry. It's crazy. High schoolers have it. So, I mean. There's people that have it worse. People yeah, have lost loved course, ones, but poor high schoolers have it. Go- I mean, when we were in high school, it was just Awful. getting tested for chlamydia and that was it. <laughs> now, three times a week for a virus. You don't even get to have any fun oh, with this. God. God, that sucks, man. Poor oh, high schoolers. God. How many yeah. times a week were you uh, tested for chlamydia? <laughs> Uh, a baker's dozen right, right around there. <laughs> 13 times a week. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, oh, I was very God. active in high school. Me and my uh, Nintendo. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I'm laughing. I'm making jokes, but it just it just sucks. I feel sorry for all these high schoolers and grade schoolers and middle schoolers. It's a bad time. Well, this is episode 171. Subscribe, listen and share a rating and review. If you don't mind on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found, you can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, as you know, for five dollars a month. MitchUnfiltered.com. We do a lot of extra content all week. If the, as I always say, if the five dollars is uncomfortable to you and you'd like to hear all of our extra content, but you're not able to spend the five dollars this holiday season, just email Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. I don't want anybody not being a patron because of the five bucks. Yeah. And and I will say that I have a flurry of listeners who have taken me up on that. And they've sent me emails, but I have not gotten back to them. I apologize. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. This week, I'll get back to everybody who has notified me that they'd like to be a patron, but uh, are not able to spend the $5 a month this time of year. Okay. And I'd like to tell those listeners, don't worry. He's not a great texter either. It takes him some time to get back Stop to the text. So he Stop will eventually it. get Stop there, it. but, you know, it, it could take some Stop badgering it. and some time. You so. know as well as I know that no one gets back to anybody faster <laughs> than right. I do, unless oh apparently. I'm being asked if my phone number can be shared with oh. people. Would you like to tell that story? Fine. I mean, so I'm just minding my own business. Was it Friday? Maybe. I don't know. I don't Friday, know. I think. Yeah. Anyway, I'm minding my own business, right. trying to do some work, earn a living. Right. Take care of the family. Right. And I, I get a text from a guy named Bender. Now, Bender does morning radio in Seattle. He was Jackie and Bender on Kiss 106 forever. And yes. They, and then they eventually made their way over to our building, if you remember. Of course, they were my weird. neighbors. I did the show. Uh, in one studio and in in the in the studio next door was Bender and Jackie. Right. That's right. Okay. Well, we used to rip on them pretty heavily because we had, they were like our competition for a while. So oh. next thing I know, they're in, I'm taking a leak next to Bender. Like, where the <laughs> hell did you come from? Like, I mean, I used to make I used to do his voice on the air and I'm sure he hated it. Oh. Now I'm leaking next to the guy. Anyway, I love yeah. Bender. Great guy. Nice he guy. really is like a, nice a really sweet man. And He's a very he, nice guy. Text me on Friday. Hey, can I get Mitch Levy's number? And I'm like, I. I don't I don't like just giving people's number out as you know you especially you you're a little weird so I got to be careful with that kind of stuff you know? I'm not weird <laughs> what makes me weird look at me I'm yeah, very, very normal. normal I'm very normal that's right did that's you right. say all this to him you said you, you just didn't what would you what you say I just to him? didn't answer I said nothing and I texted you right away and I said hey Bender wants your number do you mind if I give it to him right to which I heard I wish I had a cricket sound effect yeah yeah, yeah. Bird, I, I wish I had the sound effect of a tumbleweed going by <laughs> with crickets on it <laughs> For like over an hour. Right. So now now I'm now I'm being a dick to Bender because I'm not writing back to him. Like now I'm I, I don't want to be in this. Hold on. Hold on a second. Now I'm blowing off because, Bender because you haven't written back to him in yes. 60 minutes. You're being a yes. dick to him. That's right. Bender's a big shot. You write back to Bender when he when what he texts if, you. What if you're in a movie or what if you're at a kid's <laughs> game? What if your phone is in the car? What if what if you're somewhere without your phone or you're in a meeting or you're in a therapy session with your counselor? What, yeah. what I mean. 
What, what makes you think that you're being a dick by not getting back to him within 60 minutes? I really just wanted to cross it off my list and move okay. on with my life. Okay. I, I, so I, tell I, everybody what you did. What'd you do? So I asked you and then I didn't get back right to back. You. Yeah. Right. And then like an hour later, yeah. I just said I, like I 48 texted. minutes, 48 minutes. But go ahead. No, I think it was like an hour 12, if, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 48 I think it was minutes. actually over. And it's <laughs> weird that that. That 12 number, it works on both sides in a way. The 48 had the 12. One of us is right, I think. So what'd you do? What'd you do? So I went ahead and just gave him your number because I, I know you fancy yourself like a, a radio guy. No, 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 please don't. Yeah, which actually scared me for like five seconds. <laughs> which is what it was meant. That was exactly what it was meant to do, because then you turned to me via text and said, I always check. Yeah, I always I never give a phone number out until I get permission to give the phone number out. That's yeah. what you said, at which time I responded by saying, but do you really? <laughs> yeah, I checked. No, I didn't check. say I wait till I get permission. Well, what's. <laughs> I said I check. It's if, it's on you now. You, but if you haven't heard back from somebody, yeah. then the, either the answer is I don't know yeah. or, or no, you got to wait. Officially, you got to wait whether it's 60 minutes or two hours. You got to wait for the person to get back. What good is it checking yeah. with somebody if you're just going to go ahead and give the phone number? You should have just given them the phone number in the first place. I'm not your agent. Don't ask me for your number. I, I, I'm not your woman. I, 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 I'm not in your life that way. What? Just go to him. People can find Mitch. Go find him. People yeah, have so no what trouble you telling you when the show that's, sucks. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus, if they really want to well, find your complaint, you. <laughs> your complaint is with him, not with me. I, I didn't do anything. I didn't, yeah, well. I didn't make you my agent. I, I didn't tell people, hey, if you want my phone number, call Hotshot Scott. <laughs> yeah, somebody I'm your manager de- now. Somebody decided Jesus. to call Hotshot Scott and ask for my phone number. What you should have yeah. told him is, I don't have it. Right. The guy I do the podcast <laughs> with twice a week. Yeah. One day we'll exchange numbers. It'll be great. Well, I'm thrilled that you gave my number to Bender. You are. Yeah. That's it no was, problem. It made me laugh so hard after I realized you were joking when you said no, because it would be so funny that of all the people in, in this world that you would maybe have a feud with or you couldn't stand would be Bender because he is like the nicest guy ever. Well, so. well I said no, because <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking at these two texts and I'm saying to myself, He's asking me whether he can give the number. And then he's saying, never mind, I already did it. Yeah. So I should say, no, I'd prefer you not to do that. Going forward, there's a one-hour grace period. If I don't hear back, they're just getting it, just no, so you know. I don't, there's no I don't, grace period. I don't care who it is. No, here's the way it works. If you don't hear back, assume no until you hear back. Really? Yeah. You like radio people. You love them. You want everyone <laughs> they to- don't ask to, to, me. <laughs> I do. They don't ask me. Update schedule. Updated schedule this week for Mitch Unfilter with the game on Tuesday night. We will do an after the game 171P segment with you and me reacting to the game. Okay. I'm not expecting very good things from the game. We'll talk about that as we start 171 here officially in a second. It will be 171P will be officially on the Patreon site, but it will be unlocked for everybody. So gotcha. if you are somebody who is a non-patron who wants to hear 171P, just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Mitchie the Kid, and you'll yeah. find it unlocked there. Yeah. Okay. And you can just go to Patreon, I think, and you could search Mitchie the Kid. I or, think so. There's lots of ways to find yeah, it. Yeah. You'll be able to yeah, find but it. But yeah. we're not going to lock it. Good. It's going to be on the Patreon site, but we're not going to lock it so everybody can listen to it. Great. Uh, so there's really going to be not much Seahawks chatter on this show, except for the fact 
that I'm going to bitch and moan when we start the show here in a moment about how the NFL has mishandled this Rams Seahawks game. And uh, I got plenty to say about that, like everybody else does. Uh, Let me tell you about the guests on this show. A couple of authors, a bunch of writers, a couple of authors. We've got Dan Shaughnessy, who's an award-winning sports writer for the Boston Globe. He's got a very popular new book out called Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. A very fun segment, even though I hated the Celtics and Larry Bird. I hated that team. I rooted against that team at every turn. This segment with Shaughnessy is very interesting because he gives you some behind-the-scenes stories that you've never heard before about McHale and Parrish hated him. Why did Parrish hate him? Larry Bird (laughs) used to rib him all the time. A lot of good, juicy stories because in the days that Dan Shaughnessy covered them in the 80s, the media guys traveled with the team. They went to the same hotel. They traveled on the buses with them. Same, same flights, everything. They, they drank in the bars with them after games. It was a much different scene back then. So it's a funny, a funny segment in a very good book called wish it lasted forever life with the Larry bird Celtics. Now I could, I think I can picture his face whenever they do like Lakers Celtics or Larry documentaries. Yeah. 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 I can, I think I can picture his face. Of course you can. You yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen him a bunch of times, and and I spent like two years trying to obsess over why Larry Bird was great. So I can't wait to hear his he's, take on it because I still can't figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think my my favorite, and I won't give it away. My favorite of all the, he gives us a lot of little anecdotes, very funny anecdotes. But I I particularly like the one about Kevin McHale and Kevin McHale's drinking buddies that used to come to all the games when they played in Milwaukee. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good Kevin story. McHale drinking buddies. All yes, right, I'm in. Yeah. Well, Kevin McHale was from Minnesota. You know that. That's he right. went to yeah, the University yeah. of Minnesota. And the mm-hmm. Timberwolves didn't exist back then. So it was no team in Minnesota. So Milwaukee was the closest thing to getting home. And he had a bunch ah. of buddies that would get like a Winnebago and they would just bring <laughs> beer and kegs to Minnesota. Uh, not, to Minnesota not to Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. And the Celtics, whenever they played the Bucks, were like all hung over every time they played them. Awesome. Because because of Kevin McHale's drinking buddies that would come from Minnesota <laughs> to Milwaukee. Yeah. No better place to drink beer than Milwaukee, I'm told. So why why the hell not? Yeah. By the way, you and I saw, I don't know if you were there, but Kevin McHale came to the rally in the alley one time. No, I don't know that. After a Sonics game. Who I, was the coach then? Was it uh, Flip? Was there a Flip Saunders? Flip, was it Flip Saunders? Was he the coach? Well, he would have been the coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves at one point. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And McHale, I think. The was president. It? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Those two came in and they were partying and Mikhail was having beers in the oh, rally in the alley. It oh, was so fun. That. It was so cool. God, yeah. I wish I was so I, I can sort of see that. Oh, God. I wish I was yeah, there. He's enormous. That. Enormous, too, by was the way. Squatch Holy there giving you the cold shoulder, <laughs> giving me the hi hat Squatch. <laughs> OK, the other two guests, Kent ba- Bab, Kent Bab of The Washington Post across the river, life, death and football. The amazing story of a high school football program a few miles from the French Quarter in New Orleans. It's a crazy story. He spent the entire season with them. Trust me, this will become a major motion picture someday. And and the last guest is Scott Kramer, who is a writer that was with us 12 months ago. He writes for Forbes and other places, and he does articles on tech gifts. So a year ago, he was on Unfiltered, giving us some some tips on good gifts under a certain amount of money in tech. A year later, he's back with us to give us his 2021 some ideas that are under $250 if you still want some ideas late in the game, holiday gifts, techie ideas. So we got that. Two authors and a tech writer. It's almost like I'm some some sort of intellectual podcast all of a sudden. I don't know what happened here. Take a look at me. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I scream intellectual. We intellects don't give other people's numbers out unless we get permission. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, Down the stretch in the Beat the Boys competition presented by Fireside Home Solutions, ladies and gentlemen. 
I think we are 35 winners as of today. Three weeks to go. We thank Fireside Home Solutions, John Waterstrat and his team. Awesome. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Week 16 is coming up. We haven't finished week 15 yet, but week 16 is coming up. Ravens at Bengals, Rams at Vikings, Bills at Patriots. Code word, Graz. Oh, I love it. Now, do you know know why I made the code word Graz this week to make your picks in Fireside? Yeah, he sent sent out a tweet that he's... What, a couple weeks away from 30 years of doing sports radio and that's coming to an end at 710 ESPN? Yeah, finally. I don't know if it's coming to an end, coming to an end everywhere, if he's retiring, but apparently the relationship with ESPN 710 is coming to an end. And yeah. you and I have worked, you worked with him, didn't you, at some point? No? Yes? Are you really asking me this right now? If I worked with the Graz? I don't know. I don't remember who you worked for and who you Really? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I worked yeah. for you. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, that, that was around 95, yeah. 96. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And then Graz came back around 96 to KJR from Cairo. And we and then Graz worked with Graz and Gas, if you remember that show. I do. And then Graz left, and then I took over for Graz for a couple of years. So yeah, I was in the building. I played cards. I mean, rally in the alley. Forget it. I mean, I love Graz. No, 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 no. I was just asking. I know you know him well. I was yeah. asking if you actually worked on his show. He and I, I don't think of ever. Oh no, okay, he and so I. That's what I was worried. That's what. I was well, here and I, he and I shared a mic at seven ten ESPN, but never at KJR. So yes, we did do a show at okay. at seven ten a few times. But yeah, anyway, okay. who doesn't love okay. the Graz? I love the Graz. I mean, how many Gras stories could you tell if you had to right now? My head would explode <laughs> trying to figure out one. I know, right? Uh, that's why I probably we probably should have him on Mitch Unfiltered before yeah. too long and let him tell the stories because I, 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 I'm so scattered. I, there's like a million of them. There's right. a million of them, some of which he may not like, though. So I got to be <laughs> careful with that. Some of which may not be true, by the way, either. But I don't know. You know, some of which <laughs> some of mine may not be true or is true or some of his may not be true. Well, you tell me, was he in the end zone when Dwight Clark caught the game-winning touchdown? I think he was playing for the Dallas Cowboys at that point. Oh, he was. Okay, then I got the story wrong. Sorry. Did he, in fact, give Huey Lewis a ride hitchhiking one time from Huey Lewis in the news? I don't have no idea. Maybe. I guess we'll find out when we have him on. We will ask. (laughs) Why don't you have him on and you ask? Yeah, no kidding. So typically, Hotshot Scott, this would be the time of the show where I would read listener emails or reviews on Apple podcasts of people who like or don't typically they don't like the show. I like to read the ones that that don't like the show very much Okay. or emails that I got during the week at Mitch at Mitch unfiltered.com, which are more than welcome to email me anytime your thoughts on the show, but I'm not going to read those this time. All right. I'm, I'm replacing those listener emails with something a little different for this episode. 171. Okay. I have become aware of a an obituary that was published in the Fayetteville, North Carolina Observer. Okay. You're shaking your head. Yeah. Have you read this particular if you've read it, it's it's gonna blow the whole thing. No, I, I saw I saw it on Twitter and I started to read some of it, but then I was like, well, maybe I'll save this for the show, and then I forgot to bring it. So I'm glad you have it. So you you you're not you're aware of the obit, but you didn't read the obit. Correct. Okay. Yeah, people were saying it's incredible. It's the best obit I've ever read. Now, (laughs) I have to say that it's very, very long, and I've done the best to kind of edit it and shorten it. Okay. If you want to read the whole thing, you can do that on your own time. Plus, I had in my mind when I was copying, pasting this to read this, that you have the world's worst attention span, and I'm probably going to lose you like two lines in, which is going to be terrible for podcasts, but maybe you can make an attempt to try to stay with me on this. Hey, look, a squirrel. <laughs> Do what now? Uh, dear. 
And so I, I am replacing listener email with an edited version of the obit that appeared this week for Renee Mandel Corin. Okay. In El Paso, Texas, though it was written in the Fayetteville, North Carolina Observer. May I read it to you? Please. A plus Renee Mandel Corin, a plus size Jewish lady redneck, died in El Paso on Saturday. Good news if you're the type that subscribes to the notion that anybody not named you dying in El Paso, Texas is good news. In which case, have I got news for you? This body, fertile, redheaded matriarch of a sprawling Jewish, Mexican, redneck, American family has kicked it. I kid yeah. you not. This is the actual obit. <laughs> that was. No, I, yeah. I know. I have a lot. There's a lot. To, we won't have to break it all down. But a Jewish redneck. Is that a thing? I don't, I, I don't even. I've never heard that. I this is great. Go know. ahead. All right. <laughs> this was not good news to Renee Mandel Corrin's many surviving children, grandchildren yeah. and great grandchildren, many of whom she even knew. And. <laughs> in her own way, loved. <laughs> there will be much mourning in the many glamorous locales she went bankrupt in. Oh, no. McKeesport, <laughs> Pennsylvania, Renee's birthplace, and where she first fell in love with ham and atheism, Fayetteville and Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, where Renee dreams, credit rating, and marriages <laughs> all are buried. <laughs> and of credit course, rating. Miami, Florida, where Renee's parents, uncles, aunts, and eternal hopes of all Miami Dolphins fans everywhere are also <laughs> buried pretty deep. Oh, she, He writes, Renee was preceded in death by Don Shula. <laughs> because she was my mother, the death of this Zoftig, good-time gal Renee Corrin at the impossible old age of 84 is newsworthy to me, and I treat it with the same respect and reverence she had for, well, nothing. <laughs> a more disrespectful, trash-reading, talking, and watching woman in North Carolina, Florida, and Texas was not to be found, he writes. Hers was a much-lived life, a Yankee, Florida, liberal, Jewish tough gal who bowled him in Japan, rolled him in North Carolina, and was a singularly unique parent. Renee, rosy to her friends, played cards like a shark, <laughs> bowled and played cribbage like a pro and laughed with the boys until the wee hours long after the last pin dropped. <laughs> Renee lied a lot. But on the plus side, Renee didn't cook, she didn't clean, and she was lousy with money. Here's what Renee was great at. Dyeing her red roots, weekly manicures, dirty jokes, pier fishing, rolling joints, Buying dirty <laughs> magazines. She Jesus. said she bought them for the articles. That's right. <laughs> Hers was a body, rowdy life, lived large, broke, and loud. We thought Renee could not be killed. God knows people tried. A lot. Renee has been toying with death for decades, but always beating it and running off in her silver Chevy Nova. COVID couldn't kill Renee. Neither could pneumonia twice. Infections, blood clots, clots, bad feet, breast cancer twice, two mastectomies, two recessions, multiple bankruptcies, divorce in the 70s, six kids, one cesarean, and a few abortions, or an affair with Larry King in the 1960s. <laughs> Jeez, who is this guy? <laughs> Renee was preceded in death 
by her ex-boyfriend, Larry King. <laughs> Renee was also sadly preceded in death by her beloved daughter, Kathy Sue Corin Lester Trammell Webster of Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, who herself was preceded in death by two marriages, a fudge shop, a one eyeball lost in a near fatal Pepsi bottle incident Jesus. that will absolutely be explored in future obituaries. <laughs> Losing her one-eyed, badass bitch of a daughter in 2007 devastated Renee. A talented and gregarious grifter, Renee M. Corrin is also survived by her son Jeffrey Corrin and his endlessly tolerant wife Shirley. Scott Corrin and what's left of his colon <laughs> of Hampton, Virginia. Mark and Laura Corrin, the loveliest dirt farmers of Vernon, Texas. And her favorite son, the gay one who writes catty obituaries in his uh. spare time, Andy Corrin, obviously of New York City. <laughs> Renee took tremendous pride in making one gay son and two gay grandchildren, Sam Trammell and Adam Corrin. There will be a very disrespectful and totally non-denominational <laughs> memorial on May 10th, 2022, most likely at a bowling alley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. The family requests absolutely zero privacy, none whatsoever, <laughs> and in fact encourages you to spend some government money today on a one-armed bandit at the blackjack table or on a cheap cruise to find our inheritance. Nice. She spent it all, folks. She left me nothing but these lousy memories, which I and my family <laughs> of five brothers, my sister-in-laws, nephews, friends, nieces, neighbors, ex-boyfriends, Larry King's children, who I guess I might be one of, the total strangers who all to a person loved and will cherish her forever. So please think of the brightly frocked, frivolous, funny, and smart Jewish redhead who is about to grift you, tell you a filthy joke, and for Larry King's sake, laugh. Bye, Mommy. We loved you to bits. Rest in peace. Renee Mandel Corrin, 10 May 1937 to 11 December 2021. I think she might be a Soden the more I hear about this. I mean, boy, don't you wish she was in your life, though? Oh just like God. maybe an aunt or what? I mean, just just to hang around her from time to time, other than her borrowing money and all that. But, you know, other, you'd probably just laugh your ass off being around this woman. Do you not get the feeling that if she were? First of all, my question is, did he write this before she died? Is it possible that she read this before she she had to have? If she's the person yeah. That is being described. And this is, by the way, the greatest obituary I've ever read, first of yeah, all. Yeah, it's incredible. Se second of all, she probably either loved this or would have loved this obituary on her behalf. No? I feel like she was probably in on it oh a little my bit. God. Helping him out. I mean, because you want to make sure your mom's down with that kind of obituary, right? You, you know, you got to make sure she's in know. on it. I don't think That's, you have to. If she, really? You don't have to? If she's who she is? <laughs> if she's that person? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's awesome. This guy... Oh, God, he should we, win we, some sort of a medal for this. He's probably going to get hired to write for like Bill Maher or something <laughs> down the road. I mean, it's pretty damn funny, right? Oh, I God. think what live show at the funeral. We got to just show up or record live <laughs> from the bowling alley. Let's do it. Me, you and Steve, North Carolina. We're in. Oh, <laughs> God. That's great, man. Good for him. So there you go. I thought that that would be better than any of the emails from the listeners this week. Hey, Hot Shop, before we officially begin the Christmas week edition of Unfiltered, a special thanks to our partners like Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together 
to bring retirement, planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. The Levy family loves Zeke's Pizza. Everyone knows about their incredible craft beer selection, but please don't sleep on the chopped salad. My son Brett loves it. I love it. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have pizza, beer, and salads at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler for the holidays. Reminder, all of their famous drink mixers like the old-fashioned are being sold on Amazon and QFC. For the month of December, Mitch Unfiltered listeners get 10% off on Amazon. Just plug in the discount code MITCH10DB, as in Daniel's Broiler. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition. Is there a better time than now to look into a new fireplace for the winter? We just bought a unit from John's crew. Start your search at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. And the brand new Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. One of the nation's premier mortgage companies wanted a new team in Kirkland and Jordan Flowers and his squad filled the void. Great refinance opportunities from Jordan and his entire team. You can call Jordan directly, 425-890-2957. This is what, episode 171, and it starts right now. Unfiltered. The Seahawks and Pete Carroll have got to be the biggest wasters of timeouts in the history of the National Football League. Nobody uses timeouts for unorganized offense that can't get the snap off and defense so that they don't have any at the end of halves and and games. Unfiltered. If I have to see him next year as the kicker for the Seattle Seahawks, there's going to be a problem. (laughs) I am going to go over that. Please, can we just end the Jason Myers era? He's terrible. Mitch is unfiltered. So episode 171, no Seahawks game to talk about yet. There will yeah. be a Tuesday night. Episode 171 is underway, Hot Shots. NFL trivia. Are you ready for a oh question? Oh, my God. We're starting with Stump the Band now that we don't have Seahawks? Yeah, what else? The hell, what the hell else are we going to do? All right, Stump the Band. How about Go a on. trivia question? And Scott. the only reason this came to mind is because I had this game on. I always have something on when I'm working, and I put on the 1983 AFC Divisional Playoff game in the Orange Bowl. Okay, can we not do this? Well, it's just do, a can we not do this? Okay, go ahead. I hate that I just, game. You know I hate that game. Well, I understand. By the way, who knew there were two fumbles at the end on like kickoff returns? I forgot about all that. Like, I forgot. The Dolphins. About it. I okay, anyway, that whole game out. That's good. Yeah. Okay, then you may not. I mean, you'll, you'll eventually. You'll probably eventually get you really the answer. Have to but do this. Okay. Who on. scored the first touchdown in the game? The first touchdown. Who scored the first touchdown in the game? Seahawks and Dolphins. I don't even remember. I, I don't. You mean what team or what player or what it was? What player? I had never heard of this player in my life. Okay, then he wasn't a Seahawk. That means that the Correct. Dolphins must have taken a seven nothing lead. I don't know. Was it a, out here? If you've never heard of him in your life until yes. just now, to, until yes, until I watched it. He he he's the only Dolphin to start sixteen of sixteen games that year. Really? And yes, I know. No, that's not true. Oh, it isn't. Okay. Well, that's what oh, I Oh, well, I maybe maybe it is true because that this is Dolph this is uh, Marino's rookie year. So maybe it is true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was a running back. I, I don't know. I don't know. Tight end. Oh, not Joe Rose. No. Not Bruce Hardy. No. See, I never heard of him either. Not Farrell Edmonds. He wasn't <laughs> oh, no. there. No. 
Who 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 was the tight end that scored the first touchdown? A guy named Dan Johnson. Oh yeah, Dan Johnson. Yeah, I remember Dan Johnson. Do you really? Yeah, number eighty-seven. He, I, I believe, he played at <laughs> Iowa State. I remember Dan Johnson. Yeah, I, I knew he was Clayton and Duper, and I knew all yeah, of them. Yeah, Dan yeah. Johnson. Dan Johnson. If I recall correctly, he wore number eighty-seven. You can check me on that. And he was, you know, how most teams had a blocking tight end and a receiving sure. tight end. I think Dan Johnson and Bruce Hardy, if I got the name right, Hardy was the receiving tight end out of like Arizona State. And Dan Johnson was like number 87, was a blocking tight end out of okay. Iowa State. If I'm not mistaken, I'm, uh, yeah. No, I remember, I remember Dan Johnson. Yeah. You do? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. And I, I got to say one more thing. A lot of good at Dennis. A lot of good at Dennis. Well, I wanted to see if you would, if you remembered the no, guy. No, I'm saying a lot, of good, a lot of good Dan Johnson's oh. touchdown did us that day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What a game. Oh, what a fun game no, to watch. Anyway, I had another game on it from 1991. And I have to just say that, you know, I, I like watching the commercials from 91. And I just feel sorry for anyone. This wasn't me or my family. Yeah. Who had the money to buy a new car in 1991. Because as I watched these commercials, they were all shit. I'm talking about like an affordable car, not like a Ferrari, of course, you could have bought. But these crappy like Buicks and Oldsmobiles and Chevy Luminas and Caprices. It's like the all new 1991. <laughs> I'm like, who why the are we, hell would even Why are we talking that? 91? This wasn't 91. No, I, I put it. I put another oh. game on from 91. Oh, and it see. had all the commercials, which I, I like watching. For, I, there's got to be listeners out there who are old enough to have like sat in the dealership yeah. for seven hours. And then drove out with a piece of crap AMC Eagle or something. God, I feel sorry. If my people. memory is correct, you're going to be shocked about what I'm about to tell you. I'm, I okay. may be wrong. I may be mixing it up with another game. And, and, I'm, and I'm fearful to even tell you this story because it's going to make the Dolphins of the, of the 70s and 80s and our fans look weak. But in certain ways, we were. I don't believe that that game sold out in time for the blackout. Remember there was blackouts in football oh, so sure. recently? I think yeah. that that game was blacked out to local audience. Really? Yeah. I, I believe my father took us. He had a client. My father had a client who worked at the NBC affiliate Channel 5 in West Palm Beach. Okay. And they had the game on in a back room because they weren't able to air it because it didn't sell out 72 hours before the game. I don't believe that wow. that game was even on local television in Miami and in uh, surrounding cities, uh, if I'm not mistaken, what did yeah. the Orange Bowl hold? Do you know? Do you? Yes, remember? it was like it was. It was big in those days. It was like 76, 77, 78,000. This was, by the way, a week to week thing when they were good. This was a week to week thing when they played home games, even in Bob Greasy's era, yeah, and certainly early in Dan Marino's era. This was a week to week thing. This was a frustration I had as a kid. There were often times we weren't able to watch the Dolphins on local television and we'd have to find some other alternative way. There were no satellite dishes or anything yeah. like that. I remember that my father had a a receptionist who lived about 30 or 40 miles north of us, so further away from the Orange Bowl, and the mileage of the blackout was like, oh. I don't know, 100 miles, and she was outside of it, so she would have us over, my father yes. and the three boys, or mm, the two huge. boys, and we would have to go over to, <laughs> we'd have to go over to her house, yeah, 30 miles away to be able to watch the Dolphins, because they were blacked out so often, their home games, weird. I'll buy the pizza if you let us come over. Right. Deal? Really? Well, that's a deal go, of the year, right? She'd have us over because she lived in Martin County and, and she could have the game. She had the game on her NBC affiliate, but we didn't. 
It and I can it. tell you that the attendance was 74,136 for the game. I don't know if that helps you at all. Well, they probably Maybe it still didn't sell out. They probably got close to a sellout by game time. But you remember, you had to sell out 72 yeah. hours before the game. And I don't think that that game did. I think wow. I, I think I watched that game in the back room, some office of the uh, of the chan- of the NBC affiliate in West Palm Beach. Anyway, and by the way, the announcer for that game, Marv Albert, doing play by play. Not a shock. How about that? Not a shock. Not a shock. Yeah, I know. I just think of him as doing NBA. I, only, I don't really remember. There was only one about. thing shocking about that game. <laughs> what a win! What a win! Oh, that was great. At least you guys anyway. could have done was turn around the next week and go win the next week. But that would have been nice. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, yeah, they sure didn't. No, that no, sucked. No. Yep. All right, episode 171. Uh, there is no Seahawks game to talk about on 171 because of the Fakakta NFL who decided yeah. to move the game to Tuesday. There was a rash of COVID situations really surrounding the Rams at the time, not much on the Seahawks side. I mean, there were a couple. I think Alex Collins and I think um, Lockett. I think Lockett was one of the mm. one of the two or three. But because the Rams had this series of COVID issues, they moved the game from Sunday to Tuesday. What did you think about that when you heard about it? Well, it felt like the Seahawks had their one chance to actually beat the Rams, and then it all kind of went out the window, didn't it? I was like, okay, maybe they got a shot now. The Rams, unfortunately, are getting kind of hammered by this. I think it was terrible what the, what the NFL did. The NFL, by the way, just for the record, since the beginning of the season, at every turn has demonstrated and said, look, we're not going to be in the business of postponing games. Yeah. You guys have to take your, your COVID issue seriously. Do the best that you can. Every city's going to do the best. Every team, do the best that you can with vaccinations and testing and, and mask wearing and protocols. Do the best that you can. But guys that can't play just can't play. That's just the way yeah. it goes. Guys that are on the COVID list can't play. We're not going to be moving games. And then all of a sudden, the Seahawks, and I get it, by the way, they're five and eight. They're in a hole that they created themselves. They have no one to blame but themselves that this is a must-win game in weekend number 15. I get it. But all of a sudden, a game that's a must-win for the Seahawks, that the Rams are looking at the potential of having like 12, 15, 18 guys unavailable. They're going to have to sign guys off the street. All of a sudden, we're moving it to two days later so that we can get the Rams healthy again or as healthy yeah. as possible so that we can have a better game on Tuesday. Why? Yeah. Why are we doing so, that? Why are we doing right. that? Right. So what was the point of even following all the COVID protocol closely is for the Seahawks? It was right? ridiculous. I mean, it's criminal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's criminal. They absolutely jobbed the Seahawks by sending this game to Tuesday night. And as a result of it, what happens? A lot of the Rams guys are coming back and now the Seahawks are right. testing positive, and they've got a rash of guys going on the COVID list. Let's see if they'll play the game on Tuesday night when the Seahawks, when the roles are reversed and the Seahawks are in the same situation as the Rams were had the game been played on Sunday. Right. It could be 11 on 8. The Rams have 11 and Seahawks. <laughs> I mean, remember in Hoosiers when he says, my team's on the Ridiculous. floor. When he only had four players, you know, yeah. Crazy. Ridiculous. This game needed to be played on Sunday. If the Seahawks were one of the team that didn't have a lot of COVID issues going into Sunday, they should have been rewarded for that. The Rams should have played who they had available, who yeah. wasn't on, the, who was active and not on the COVID list. And if they couldn't field a team, they should have forfeited the game. That's the way I feel. Otherwise, everything that the C- that the NFL has been saying for five months is ridiculous. KJ Wright's game, KJ Wright of the Raiders now. The Raiders had a Cleveland Browns game postponed. I think they were supposed to play on Saturday, and now they're playing on Monday because Baker Mayfield tested positive and a bunch of Browns 
tested positive or around COVID, KJ Wright wrote, I pay my players dues just to get lied to and the rules bent. If it was the other way around, I swear we would be playing tomorrow. So the Raiders are on the back end, similar to the way the Seahawks are. The Rams got every break in the book so that they could be as healthy as possible when they played this game. And I don't feel like that the NFL should have done that. That's my when opinion. Goodell came out before the season, he he made it like iron fist. We're going to play. Like you guys control your own teams. We're going to play. Have four people. We're playing the game. Where is if that? You have to. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. You want to get into the Oliver Stone and say that the Super Bowl is in Los Angeles at that uh, at that venue this year. And maybe they get, want to give the Rams a break. Maybe they'd like the Rams to be in that game or give them every chance to be hosting the game in Los Angeles. I don't know. You can go as far and as deep as you want. All I'll say is the NFL did not hold true to what it had said every single moment previously. And that was, we're going to play the games. Each team is going to have to play who's available to be played. And if you don't have enough guys, go get guys. And if you can't go get guys, then you're done. But as a result of it being postponed, Hotshot, I got a chance to really concentrate on the sporting event that meant everything over the weekend, and by that I mean the father-son golf tournament in in Naples, yes. Florida, that or Orlando yes. or wherever it is. Yes, that's I, I, yes, <laughs> that's what you were into. Please huh? tell me you watched. <laughs> now the return of highlights. Tiger Woods. No, I watched highlights. Uh, Piper and I watched highlights. Yes, and what's his son's name? Is it Charlie? Charlie. Henry? Charlie. Charlie. I think Piper might fancy Charlie a little bit. <gasps> Piper's 12 years old. He's 12. She had some questions about him. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. She plays it very close oh, to the vest when, you know, with the boys. But oh. she had some, like, can, can he play? Is he pretty good? You know, oh. she had some questions about him. So, yeah. She may be twice the size of Charlie, though, right? <laughs> she can post Charlie. She likes yeah. Charlie. She's got a little thing I, for Charlie. I don't know that Piper to be true. and Charlie sitting in a tree. Maybe it's me pushing it so How's Tiger that? and I can be related one day. <laughs> You're not going to be related. <laughs> But that's not a bad that's not a bad pairing for you. How do we get the introduction? How do we get I those know. two together? You you could do worse than Tiger as your father-in-law, huh? Uh, <laughs> you could do worse. <laughs> Charlie so, and Piper. So Piper's got a little So what makes you think that Piper's got a little something to I don't, she was asking she just was asking more a lot questions, of questions than normal. She was interested. Like she, she doesn't she's not interested in anything I have to say. And then when it comes to <laughs> I mean, honestly, and then when it comes to like boys, uh-huh. she's not boy, boy crazy. She right. never if she does like a boy, we'll never know. She plays that really close to the vest. So yes. Yes. I don't know. I just something kind of hit me. I mean, look at him. He's Tiger Woods kid. Who would be attracted to the kid? Right. Well, she, she doesn't I mean, know who Tiger. She doesn't know anything about Tiger Woods. She knows the name. She like she knows who Ken Griffey Jr. She knows Tiger. Well, By the way, saw a, a cool picture of Ken Griffey Jr. taking a picture of Tiger Woods kid. Did you see that? He was on one knee. No. He was watching the tournament. No, I didn't and see he's that. Ta- so it was someone captioned you know, the, the kid taking a picture of the, the kid, kid, which I yeah. thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway. Well, let, let me say, I'm sorry that you didn't watch it. I wish you had watched it because I'd love to talk to you about it. But well, the, the, the best thing I can say about it is whatever anybody's expectation of this thing was when you heard that Tiger was going to play. And it's a, it's a kind of a miracle that eight months removed or nine months removed from an accident that almost lost his life and then almost lost his leg that he could be able to play whatever you expected from this thing. It's so over delivered. I mean, wow. It was an, it was an unbelievable two days for anybody. That's a fan. I mean, you don't even have to be a fan of golf. You just got to be a fan of life to watch these two father and son who nearly were taken from one another 
with the right. accident. To watch Tiger hit these shots and limp around and watch the son, 12 years old, competing at the highest level with cameras. All, I mean, the guy, the 12-year-old, the first start with the fact that the 12-year-old showed no I mean, he was in this thing last year at 11. It's like there are no cameras. He has no, there's hmm. no nervousness. There's nothing. I mean, he's just it's crazy. As, as if he's been living the life his entire life. And then the two of them, they nearly win for God's sakes. Yeah. The Daly's won. John Daly and his son won. But the, but the Woods, Tiger and Charlie Woods, I think they birdied 10 holes in a row at one point and they finished second overall and Tiger. And and then you want to talk about Tiger's game and whether he's going to be back on the PGA tour anytime. Yeah. He's hitting 300 yard drives. He's driving the ball by Justin Thomas on a couple of occasions and winking at him. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. He's hitting iron stiff. He's making every putt he looks at. He's chipping the ball close. I mean, anybody who watched this, and listen to what Tiger said, the state of his game is and how, how there's very little chance that he'll ever be able to play the way he wants to play again. I, you watch this eight months after that accident and you're like, okay, okay. The real story is he's coming back. <laughs> really? It may not be today or tomorrow or next month or this year. He is coming. He was hitting the ball great for the most part. He was hitting the ball great. And his 12-year-old son, uh, unbelievable. I mean, just making putts hitting iron shots close on par threes. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal television. It was like NBC who broadcast the event couldn't have expected or wanted, couldn't have written a better script, except maybe had they won at the end, but they finished second. It it was amazing, Scott. It was amazing. You said he was limping around. So I was going to ask you, how did he look when he walked around? Because he took a cart, right? He took a cart the whole time. Yeah. 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 So, but when he does walk up to the ball, does it look, Weird? Does it look okay? How does it look? Uh, he he's clearly he's clearly hobbled and clearly weak. And okay, the one thing like if you ask me, what's your best guess for Augusta? Is he going to be at the Masters this year? I think I would probably say in five months from now, I probably would guess no. And it will okay. be because not because he can't hit the shots, because he still has a long way to go to be. He's always said, "I'm going to walk the golf course." Yeah. If I can't walk the golf course, I'm not playing in tournaments. I'm not. I'm not mm. petitioning for carts. I'm yeah. not acting. I'm not looking for disability. I'm either going to be able to walk the golf course or I'm not going to play in these tournaments. He has said that, and I believe him when he says that. He's he seems to me a long way from being able to walk four okay. rounds. Like like Augusta National, unless you've ever been there. If you've never been there, you you mm. don't really know. You see it on TV. It's a it's a really hard walk. It's up and down four oh, days okay. of that. Like I. I he, he's nowhere near at this stage of the game, uh, you know, the the strength. He doesn't have the strength, I don't believe, to walk a golf course for 72 holes and, and play his best golf at the same time. But okay. outside of that, you know, he's talking about how he's got no swing speed and he can't hit the ball anymore <laughs> and it doesn't it go like, anywhere. <laughs> he's flying the thing 280, 290, and it's rolling yeah. another 20. He's hitting irons. He's hitting laser shot irons in there. He's chipping. He's putting. He was doing everything. He was doing everything. He looked great. He looked great. So That's so good to hear. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there had to be some sort of atrophy that sits in, you know, just not being able to walk for however long he couldn't walk. So sure. Yeah, maybe the good news is he could build that back up, build those muscles maybe. back up and be I don't able know. to walk. I don't know. The ex- maybe somebody would say, Mitch, the extent of his injuries, he'll never be able to walk four rounds on tough golf courses. And if that's the case, then he won't come back. I'm just telling you the state of his game. He, he, he soft sold us. 
<laughs> okay. That <laughs> guy awesome. was, I mean, he hit some Aaron shots. I don't, I don't mean to say that he was like tiger of 2000. Sure. But trust me, he was out. <laughs> that guy was hitting plenty of great golf shots. Nice. Plenty of That's... great golf, moving the ball both ways. Uh, it's incredible. 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 Yeah. And his son was incredible. And it was very heartwarming. The whole thing was incredible. Hey, let's get three interviews and then we'll do a lot of other stuff. Okay. Let's do it. Episode 171, three interviews, and then Hot Shot and I. Jay Flo is in the house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. How are we doing at Cross Country Mortgage? What are we, about six months in now? We are pretty much six months in. We're doing wonderful. Thank you, Mitch. And I appreciate the Mannheim steamroller <laughs> intro. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's been a wonderful season. Wonderful year. Just blessings and wrapping things up here. What's going on in the mortgage industry in terms of the holiday season? Do things typically slow down this month? You know, uh, typically they do. Historically, the winter months, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, and January are the quieter months as everybody kind of prepares for the buying season. Things are still incredibly busy with people trying to squeeze in with last minute refis and take advantage of still trying to get in the high 2% range with wherever their rates were at or shortening the term. So we're still staying busy and active and people are getting pre-approved and still trying to get ready to buy for homes that come on here. So hit me with some numbers on a 30-year fix, Jordan. Yeah, if you look around, they're going to be in the low threes. We're doing everything we can here at my branch and cross country to help our clients out and figure out a way to get them still in the high twos without passing on any right. charge for it, any discount points for it or anything. So we're still trying to help people take advantage and capture that two rate before they go away. So assuming I've got good credit, a good credit score, what should I be looking for in my mortgage in my current rate that would tell me, hey, get on the phone with Jordan or somebody like Jordan just to explore what's out there for me? Yeah, I'd say if you're anywhere in the mid threes right okay. now on a 30 year fixed, um, it's worth a call, especially to take advantage of the rates. If you're seven years in, five to 10 years in on a 30 year and you're thinking about going maybe to a 15 or a 20, could be a good time. We're still kind of in the mid twos on a 15 year fixed. Um, so definitely something to take a look at there. Yeah, anywhere in the mid threes, I would say. Beautiful. And we remind our listeners that you don't have to start all over. You can keep the mortgage right where you are in its term, right? You are such a good listener, Mitch. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Any 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 amortization period of months between 20 years and 30 years, we can set it at. And we can look at 15-year options and, and lower even. But yes, we can set it to any term. And you can take some money out for the holiday season. You can take money out for the holiday season, prepare for college or yeah. school for your kids. Yeah, consolidate any debts you might want to have at a low 30-year fixed rate still. It's a great time to do that. Phone number? How do we reach you, Jordan? Cell phone, 425-890-2957. And email is teamflowers at myccmortgage.com or jordan period flowers at myccmortgage.com. Jordan Flowers has been exceptional. They've been a great partner since just about the beginning. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. Bird in the corner, double fake, jumper, it's good! Larry Bird hits it with two seconds left. Larry a little fake down the lane, between the legs to Murphy, Brittany's foul. Oh, we gotta see that one again. Kept in bounds by Lee, great play, stolen by Bird at half court. Off to McHale, back to Bird, Larry stops, jumper, good! 40 points on the night for Larry Bird. Our next guest was a newspaper writer in his late 20s, early 30s, and the early 80s 
when Larry Bird led those amazing Celtics teams with McHale and Parrish and DJ, four straight finals, I think 50 wins at home one year, and his new book is called Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Here's the terrific writer of the Boston Globe, Dan Shaughnessy. Hiya, Dan. Welcome to Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, Mitch. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. How's the book going so far? What's it out? About a six weeks? Something like that? Yeah, it's, yeah four or five weeks. It's doing great. Uh, you know, it's a Boston bestseller and we're moving up on the Amazon rankings and uh, uh, they're, they're selling a lot of books. You know, people like, I mean, I'm aware this is old stuff, right? But yeah. uh, there's a lot of appetite for Larry Bird. And uh, that team was so special. And I'm you know, trying not to promote this book as it was so much better then than it is now, but the league yeah, <laughs> was yeah. better then yeah. than it is now. And Mitch, I'm, I'm so old. I go back to, I was at the Sonics Bullets championship final there in uh, 77 and 78. I was at the one Washington one when Dennis Johnson missed all 14 of his shots, if I recall correctly. And again, of course, a year later, he was MVP of the finals. So he's a really interesting story. A guy that could never happen today, did not play high school basketball, got 15 siblings and he's bagging groceries and somebody sees him out, lets him play for Harvard junior college in California. And they trades up from there to Pepperdine yep. ends up in the tournament. And Bill Russell sees him and they take him in the first round. And you guys benefited greatly from that. And, and of course, uh, the Celtics traded Rick Roby to get him years later and went to the finals four straight years after getting Dennis Johnson. I loved him. And we miss him. You know, we lost DJ yeah. in 2007, prematurely heart attack. And yeah. but he's one of the characters of this book. They were a very confident group, a bunch of guys who they, they, they trusted each other. They didn't care about touches or they hated the other team they were playing, but they loved each other. The practices were joyous in a very special time in the NBA. You know, you you mentioned a couple things that trigger responses and reaction from me. When you go through the DJ thing in college and leading up to the Celtics and the great glory years of him in the NBA, it's important to mention that that great core, that great nucleus, all those Hall of Famers, at one point, the Celtics, with as great as they were, they had five guys and none of them played major Division One college yeah. basketball, right? It's a it's a great factoid, Mitch. I love bringing that out because when they were playing the Lakers, I mean, the Celtics-Lakers was kind of the Ali Frazier of the 80s for the NBA. It really put the NBA on the map in a big way, the whole Larry Magic thing. And you had all these Hall of Famers, but... But the Lakers, their guys, you know, you know, Magic's Michigan State and Kareem's UCLA. You got Duke guys. You got, you know, the major conferences. And here at the Boston Celtics, Red love this. You know, Larry Bird's Indiana State. They're frowned upon by the Big Ten. And then you got Jerry Henderson from Virginia Commonwealth, Dennis Johnson from Pepperdine, Robert Parrish from Centenary, yeah. and Cedric Maxwell from UNC Charlotte. Crazy. So that's that's never going to happen again, right? <laughs> it just, just incredible. I, I think as we talk about the book, what our audience has to know as kind of a starting point is the access and how drastically different yeah. it was for guys like you, Dan, to chronicle these stories as compared to today when they're so protected and unapproachable, these NBA players. You know, I've seen some of your interviews and you guys talk about social media and what that's done to the game. I say yeah. go back before social media. You know, I, yeah. did, I did sports radio for 25 years here in Seattle and a few years in Washington, D.C. before that. I, I think sports radio, with everybody grabbing at these guys, changed a lot about what they were able to do and how accessible they were, Dan. Yeah, I mean, we those of us doing these shows, we love sports, right? So if you love sports, you're a fan, you want to know about your players. Like right now, 
You don't know if they're liking Pete Carroll or don't like Pete Carroll. You really can't tell. Nobody's in there. Right. And that's nobody's fault. But the way it's evolved is there's a big moat now with the money and the chartering and the five-star hotels and the social media. And now COVID being the last straw, we're never getting near anybody again. So this book goes back to a time when, Mitch, we were like on the team without having the groupies or the fame or the money. We were with them all the time. We were going to practice on the buses. The practices were open. We flew commercial with the team. We stayed in the hotel with the team, holiday inns in some cases. There was no moat. We were with them all the time, waiting for bags, hotel bars, hotel lobbies. And, you know, that way you were really able to tell the readers, the fans, what they were like. You knew, I knew in 82, 83 that they didn't like Bill Fitch, that he had run its course. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a great coach. But in the NBA, shelf life, I don't know, three, four years, they had reached that. And you were just able to tell how they felt about each other, how they felt about their coach, and share that with the fans. That's gone forever. Nobody's fault. It's, an, it's a component of the book for sure. Did they trust you, Scoop? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Mitch. So the answer <laughs> to that is yes and no. I mean, I was an outsider, uh, but there were so few of us traveling. It was the whole traveling party with players, trainers, coaches. It was about 24, 25 people. I was Scoop. That's what they call me, Scoop. And Larry would always point out when I'd come into the locker room, he'd say, Scoop, do you notice how quiet it gets when you walk in here? And yeah, I mean, I understood that. That was okay. I kind of wanted them to be a little bit uneasy around me, which was fine. And, you know, if, if we were out, if we bumped into each other in the hotel bar, had a million beers, you didn't need to report how many beers we consumed. As long as everybody behaved and, and played the next day, then that was nobody's business. If it got into an area where someone shows up on the police blotter, that's another story. So the rules were the rules, but there was a lot of trust in terms of we were just together so much. You couldn't be on the record all the time because a lot of stuff was said. And, and you know, I tried to be respectful of that, not to embarrass people. But if it affected the fans, or like I said, guys get in trouble, that's a different yeah. category. Why did the chief Robert Parrish dislike Scoop? Mitch, no one knows this. It was like right from the <laughs> jump. And there's a funny scene at the start of the book. We're in San Antonio and we're the same age. I'm thinking, oh, me and Robert Parrish, this is going to be good. And, yeah. And man, it just went away fast. And Mrs. Chief didn't like me either. There's a scene when they win the finals in 84 and she wants to gouge my eyes out and wasn't good. And of course, Larry, first time he saw me out there, he said, I heard Mrs. I heard Robert's wife hit you with her purse after we won. I'm like, nah, no, I wasn't like that. But so 37 years later, I asked Cedric Max, like, Max, what was it with Robert and me? He said, Chief just has a disdain for your ass. And that's uh, what, what can you do with that, Mitch? The strength of these personalities and the competitiveness was off the charts, but there was obviously, besides there being an edge to them on the floor, I think your book conveys something that maybe many of us from afar missed. How much fun they were having yeah. as this thing was going on. And these guys could really drink, couldn't they? Yeah, there was a lot of beer consumed and they they had a no drinking pact when they won in 86. And Mikhail's like, well, we better win this year because I'm not going to keep doing this. <laughs> And it went on to your point about the fun they had, you know, Danny Ainge, of course, was a major league baseball player before he came to the Celtics. And I covered him when I covered the Baltimore Orioles. I saw Danny play an infield and little Seattle factoid. Both of Danny's homers were hitting the kingdom. You should know that. So oh, I don't know that. Danny Ainge, two career <laughs> homers. So, but we, they, they were always teasing him about his baseball stuff. And because I had covered MLB, they wanted to know how good he was and this and that. Larry, Larry's a huge baseball fan, Cardinals fan. And we were waiting for bags in, in Milwaukee one time. And Hank Aaron was at the carousel, the next the next carousel. And, uh, oh, they just said, said, Danny, go talk to Hank Aaron. Did you hit as many homers as him, Danny? You know, just go on like that. So, yeah, it, it was uh, guys were secure in their own greatness. And they didn't worry about touches and money. And 
who got the most media attention. They they really the practices were joyous with these guys. Just watching Robert Parrish go at Bill Walton and Scott Wedman going at Larry Bird, and that was a lot, a lot of fun. You mentioned Milwaukee. Wasn't there a story about yeah. a, about uh, Kevin McHale's drinking buddies coming to Milwaukee yeah. when he came to town? Yeah. Something like that. Tell me. Thank you. That, yeah. That's thanks for teeing it up there, Mitch. That's a good <laughs> one. So. So, yeah, I mean, again, in these days, there were no Timberwolves. The closest team for Minnesota was was the Milwaukee Bucks. And McHale's from the Iron Range way the hell up where Bob Dylan's from up in Hibbing, all his parents and family's minors. So. When they would play the Bucks, would stay at the Hyatt in downtown Milwaukee, and you'd see this Winnebago rolling in with the Minnesota plates. And boy, that was bad news for uh, the Celtics when that rolled in. So uh, when I talked to Michaeli, he I asked the names of the guys. One was Big Joe, another guy was Bones, one was his cousin. They would drive down to Winnebago, and Don Nelson offered to get these guys a suite because they would just destroy the Celtics. You know, we came in one time on a Saturday afternoon playing the Bucks, playing the Bucks Sunday noon start which means Saturday night's you know, fair game and noon start on Sunday was not, was not the Celtics friend in this case. So the last we saw bird and then Buckner and McHale, they were out with, with the Minnesota crew with McHale's friends. The next day, the bucks just destroyed the Celtics and they all shot horribly. You know, bird was like two for 15 and McHale's 0 for eight on and on. It went when the game ended, you know, of course, Danny Ainge lit it up. He had like 35 points that day. Cause he's a you know, Mormon guy, not a drinker. That was good for him. And, um, the next day, Casey Jones was such a cool coach. Everybody knew what had happened. And uh, Casey didn't air him out or yell at everybody or threaten fines, nothing out of that. He just walked Mikhail out of the gym and he put his arm around Kevin. And he said, Kevin, those guys aren't coming to Chicago, are they? And he said, no, coach, then we won't see them again. That was it. <laughs> Wish it lasts forever. Life with the, uh, the Larry Bird Celtics. He's Dan Shaughnessy, the author of the new book. You know, Dan, any... And all sports fans know of the legendary story of Babe Ruth pointing to center field before hitting the home run, kind of calling his shot. Yeah. Uh, Bird kind of got off doing the same thing, telling his opponents what was coming and so forth. You know that, and that's a big part of the book. There was actually a moment, now before I came to Seattle, there was actually a moment in the Coliseum against Xavier McDaniel, right? Between oh, yeah. and McDaniel that you can tell the story? Well, basically, it's an inbounds play, and he just tells them everything that's going to happen and they, <laughs> what they need to do to defend this. And, you know, point by point, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ball fake. I'm going to do that. They they paid no attention. They thought he was just, you know, talking trash. And But then the ball was inbounded. Everything he said, he did. And he just said, I told you guys what I was going to do. There was a lot of that. He was... Mitch, he was banking threes toward the end because he kind of got bored. Amazing. He had that night in Portland. He played left-handed and left scored like 47. You know, he said, I'm saving my right for the Lakers. <laughs> but he was, you know, he was MVP three years in a row. And he was at a very and that was a league that had Magic and Michael and Kareem. And and he was just tearing it up at that time. Very, very dominant. I remember he was banking his threes in New York before playing the Knicks. And the trainer, Mike Saunders, longtime trainer, said, says, Hey, what are you doing? He says, You 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 can't do that in a game. What are you doing that for? And he says, you give me five bucks, I will. So they had a bet. And, you know, of course, Celtics routing the Knicks since fourth quarter. And he bangs the three and runs by the Knicks bench with his greedy palm extended looking for his five bucks. <laughs> he, he could do that. He could hold two things in his head at one time. Yeah. And there was the night that you were writing a story early in the evening about yeah. the uh, the free throw streak, right? Free throws. You know, I was always early to the gym and he'd like getting to the garden late in the afternoon and do a shoot and drill in a dark building by himself. And he's out there and he'd come over and just break my chops and say, Scoop, what are you working on? I said, well, I'm working on your free throw streak. Calvin Murphy's got the record 88 in a row and you're in the 60s here. So I'm going to write this you know, early edition story 
don't make me look bad by missing one tonight because I look like a jackass in the paper tomorrow <laughs> if you miss one. So, you know, and again, in those days, we our seats were right next to the bench because they hadn't figured out how to monetize, you know, those $5,000 tickets. It sure. was just the, the lowly media sitting right there. We, we could hear everything. Yeah. So sure enough, he goes down for two in the first half. He makes the first and he turns and winks at me before draining the second one. And I'm telling you, that just would not happen today. I thought you were going to say when I heard you tell that story the first time that he missed the second one on purpose just to screw you up. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> he wasn't going to mess with the streak. No, uh, he wouldn't break my chops to that degree. How, how do you explain it? I know we have limited more time with Dan Shaughnessy, the terrific author, Boston Globe writer, uh, the Larry, the new Larry Bird book and the Celtics book, I should really call it. How do you explain it? That you, you, I've heard you say, and I think it's 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 right on on Mark, the game just moves slower to Larry yeah. Bird. He knew what was coming before any of us knew what was coming, right? Yeah, you see that with the great, you know, Bobby always kind of like that. I think Brady's got to go in some of that right now. But I think that uh, I talked to him about this, he, how he was never intimidated on a court. And Bill Walton has a pretty good voice to this late in the book where he just how Larry knew what what the strengths and weaknesses of all the players on his team and the other team were. And he, he, he knew if someone was having a good night or a bad night, or if Mikhail was working to get to his spot and all these things factored in. And again, the passing we saw, that's why the game was better than, I mean, just the beautiful passing, the pick and roll, you know, the reverse layups and, and no look passes over the shoulder. It was just, it was ballet, man. They, they did everything, but run the picket fence. It was just beautiful to watch. And then 85, 86 was the coup de gras, Dan. Yeah, I think so. And you, you referenced, they did go 50 and one at home because of the playoffs. So no one's ever done that. Uh, they, they, they won 50, 67 regular season. They got a little bored now. And then <laughs> it didn't get the Lakers that year, which took a little bit away. It was, it wasn't Ali Frazier four. we really wanted to have that. And uh, almost, you know, five Hall of Famers, one coming off the bench. Uh, I don't know. I just, and I think that team translates. Talk to Rick Carla about that because he's still current. He was sure. on that team sure. and he's still coaching in the league. So he can kind of compare. He says it translates. You had seven footers, you had outside shooters. And again, it's, you know, what McHale said about that was if they call the game the way they did then versus now, it's a different story. So, you know, today's game, we all file out in the first quarter. I want to end here, Dan, with something that you said on a recent interview that I think is important. It's actually an important message to all of us uh, with what we're doing and how we get kind of engrossed in our lives. You were asked by somebody, I don't remember who it was, whether you understood what was happening when you were covering. You were a young guy trying to make hay and you're trying to move up the ranks and do your thing and something really special. You were a part of something very, very special. But you said in this interview that... You didn't really grasp it at the time because you were kind of thinking about yourself and maybe if you could go back and do it all over again, that you would take a step back and 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 put your arms around what was happening and the history of what was happening at the time. Absolutely true. I was, you know, young, tough guy reporter and making sure I didn't get taken advantage of or beaten on stories and head down the keys a lot and just missing some of this great ball that was played. I mean, would have been okay to sacrifice some of those deadlines, maybe to just witness the artistry that we were seeing on a daily basis and how much fun it was. And, you know, when they were showing the last dance during the, this, this book was sparked by the pandemic, like a lot of things and kept seeing my young self sitting in those great seats right by the bench where no one is anymore and, right. and saying, man, those were good days. And I've been telling those stories in bars for a lot of years. So let's, let's put it all in a place. And it did as, as the book evolved and I talked to the guys and, and it came out and, you know, Walton gave them that great title, which it lasted forever. And, and it was, it was a special time. We were all young then, which is always nice. We were starting families and, and it was just a, a great time in, in, in the NBA, a great time in newspapers. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't bay at the moon. I mean, the things evolve and here we are and, and we appreciate where we are, but that was a great time. I got to tell you, I think uh, whether you love the Lakers or the Sonics or the Celtics, or you didn't like the Celtics, this is a great stocking stuffer. We're getting close to that magical 25th day of December. It's called wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. It's written by the terrific award-winning writer of the Boston Globe, Dan Shaughnessy, who's nice enough to be with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Happy holidays. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. Take care. It's time to catch up with Katie Versio, senior financial planner, Evergreen Golf Call, just in time to probably make me look silly for the holidays. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Here we go. I'm ready for my holiday version of the trivia contest. We're going to get three questions, and I'm going to go three for three. What's the theme this time around? The theme today is a year-end market recap. So we're going to talk about what happened in the market from January through the end of November. Got it. All right. I'm ready for question number one. All right. So what was the biggest market pullback? So from when the market peaked to trough that we had in 2021? Was it down 2%, 5%, 10%, or 14%? Hmm. I'll say either 5 or 10. I'll go 10%, Katie. Sorry, it was only down 5% back in yep. September. There was just a small pullback. So this year, there hasn't been too much volatility. In December, we've actually seen about the same level of volatility just in the first few trading days. But the first 11 months were pretty smooth. Okay, I'm 0 for 1, which brings us to question number two. How much was the stock market or the S&P 500 up for the entire year? So from January through the end of November. Was it up 10%, Big. Big. Yeah. 17%, yeah. 22%, or 29%? Gosh, I don't think it was up 29%, but it was up big. I'll, I'll go I'll go 17 as opposed to 22. It was actually up 22% through the first 11 months of the year. It's down a little bit now. Like I mentioned, we've had a little more volatility, but it's, but it's been a good year. Uh. Which brings us to question number three and my last chance to at least go one for three and bat 333, which is good in baseball, but not good for Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. Go ahead, Katie. All right. How much has the price of oil increased from January through November? Oh, no. <clears throat> is it up 20%, 32%, 37%, or 41%? I, have, I don't watch oil. I have no idea. It's got to be one of the middle two because it always is. So I'll go 30. What were the middle two? 32 and 30, 37? I'll that's go, right. I'll go 37. Well, I tricked you with that one. Oh, uh, no. It's <laughs> actually up 41%. So the price of oil uh, of a barrel has gone from $48 at the end of 2020 to $68 at the end of November. <sighs> Another 0 for 3. Another collar, as they like to call it. For Mitchie the Kid on Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. But that doesn't mean I don't love Katie and I don't love our partnership with Evergreen Golf Call. We do. They've been there since the beginning. Evergreen Golf Call is everything wealth. Unfiltered. You know, when we're dealing with kids who most of the time doesn't have food at home, sometimes doesn't have uh, a pillow to lay their head on at night, 
sometimes football is a way to escape. Sometimes football is a way out. So the one thing we could provide them is a chance to have fun in that game. Seems like a good handful of new books available this holiday season penned by talented sports writers around the country. We've got Ivan Mazel's moving story about the son that he lost to suicide. Dan Shaughnessy's latest is the Larry Bird book. Larry Bird in Boston era. And our next guest, a Washington Post veteran, though he's only 18, formerly of the Kansas City Star, who brings us across the river, life, death, and football in an American city. Kent Babb. Hi, Kent. Congratulations. Seems like everybody loves the book so far in the last couple of months. Well, that's only the second nicest thing that you've said so far, and calling me 18 is the first, so thank you for everything. <laughs> well, give us give us a synopsis. You were introduced to the story in a column or for a column in the Washington Post, and then you spent a season with the Edna Carr high school football program coming off of what? Three straight state titles in the poverty-stricken Algiers section of New Orleans, just across the river from what we would call the French Quarter? Yeah, I mean, it, like where where you would go, where I would go in the French Quarter, you can actually see it. Like you can see Algiers if you're standing at Jackson Square. Like that's the patch of land. Uh, it's just like most people who look like me don't often cross the bridge and we don't like to think about what's happening in, in communities like that. But this is not just a high school program that's dominant, that's been to 10 out of the last 11 class 4A Louisiana state championships. Uh, the coach there, Bryce Brown, is an amazing football coach, great play caller, could probably coach at LSU or Alabama. Um, but his bigger job is to save lives in a crime and gun violence stricken part of a crime and gun violence stricken city um, where murders just happen. People just get killed. And that's just part of living there. Yeah. And this coach sort of decided in 2016 when his former quarterback got gunned down for reasons that are so mysterious, he decided standing in a crime scene that he was going to do whatever he could to make sure that never happened to him again, to, to any of his players who he cares deeply about. It would never yeah. happen again. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back. I'll come back to the coach. I'll come back to the quarterback. But I think in terms of uh, context, you need to tell our audience, we hear – about pockets of our nation that are overwhelmed with gun violence, but there may be no place in that regard like New Orleans. Explain that. Yeah, when we talk about shootings in this country, a lot of times we talk about the south side of Chicago or right. St. Louis, Louis or Baltimore. Right. And the messed up thing about even having that conversation is that people in New Orleans consider that a little bit of an insult in a weird, perverse way, you know, they're proud of being able to survive in a place that's so dangerous. And what makes it so dangerous is unlike in Chicago, uh, where shootings are largely contained to certain neighborhoods, if you stay away from those places, you'll mostly be safe. Gun violence, gunshots in New Orleans rain out at any hour, at any neighborhood, doesn't matter what time of day. The first two Saturdays of August, on Bourbon Street, 10 people got shot. That's on Bourbon Street. This isn't, you know, a, a marginalized community. This isn't the housing projects. This is Bourbon Street. Will Smith. Right. In 2016, Will Smith, the former Saints player, got gunned down because he was in a very minor fender bender. That same year, Joe McKnight, the former NFL running back, yeah. got gunned down because he got into a road, road, range, road rage incident. 
hundreds of people get killed in New Orleans every year. And we just don't ever hear about it because New Orleans is really good at not talking about it. It's a touristy city. We're not supposed to talk about that stuff. And so we don't. I heard you recently say in an interview that when you spend Kent as much time as you do with a person or a group of people to write a book, you either grow to love them or you grow to hate them. And there's very little middle ground. I would imagine that it's impossible, this story, not to care and root for a group like this that faces challenges that most of us, the vast majority of us, are just unfamiliar. Yeah, I mean, and I can only speak for myself, but I know that in this business, in journalism, we're taught to not care, to retain distance, to be objective. And that's all good and sounds great on paper, but I'm a human. We're humans. And, you know, I, I had a hard time spending a year in these people's environment, hearing that they have irregular access to food and running water and electricity to say nothing of their hopes, but and, and just not caring for them and just like and not rooting for them to heck with the program. You know, the, the program winning games and championships, I'll root for the team, but I root for the people. I mean, I was texting with Joe Thomas, who's sort of the protagonist of, of the book just the other day. Uh, I text with assistant coaches and the head coach, you know, at least every couple of weeks just to check in. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen them in months and, you know, largely a couple of years. It's, I just think it's impossible to not to not give a damn. And I, I for better or worse, I, I gave a damn. We're talking about a group of young men in the wake of Katrina, homelessness, murder. I mean, these are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old boys that the odds are against. Well, and, and not only are the odds against them, but there's just not there's not resources for for a lot of these young people to to find a better way. I mean, a, a lot of these young people want to go to college. They want to have a job. They just don't know how to do it. And and look, I mean, the the answer to this, the solution is really not that complicated. It's really just about investing in these young people as people, not archetypes seeing them as individuals, understanding that people respond to different things. we got different personalities. Right. Yeah. It's really simple. Yeah. You just uh, have to care. Yeah, <laughs> and, which brings us to the central figure of the book that you just mentioned, Coach Bryce Brown. He's a, to describe him, a giant of a man, both literally and figuratively. Um, you'd look at him as you describe, and you would think he's much older than his, what, 33, 34 years he seems to take care of everybody else, all of his kids, all of his boys, all of his players at his own expense. Yeah, Bryce is about 400 pounds, and that may be generous. Um, he takes horrific care of himself. I mean, he, yeah, like he, he's got, like a lot of coaches, he's got a number of sayings. Uh, one of his uh, slogans that he says most often that's both inspiring and haunting is, you've got to give a life to save a life. And, you know, people like me and others who worry about Bryce – you know, we worry that he's actually willing to make that ultimate sacrifice. I mean, he, he doesn't eat normally, despite being a big guy. He sleeps maybe three or four hours a night. Mm. Um, you know, he just does not take care of himself really at all. But he takes care of other people's kids in an amazing way. He invests in them like a great parent would or an older brother would. And I guess that's the cost. It's just hard to watch sometimes. But I I don't know. I just wonder if that's just what it takes. Mm. You mentioned it before, the life and death of a star player. Tonka George, I think, is his name. Yep. In so many ways, that shaped the program, and in particular, 
the coach, Coach Brown, explain a little bit more in depth what happened. He was a he was a, a great player, thrust into the spotlight. He actually played the wrong position, I think, in high school. And then he went off to college and 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 did all the right things and ended up dead on a street corner. Explain. He's just a kid who did everything right, literally everything right. He never got in trouble, didn't mess around with drugs. Uh, he went to college, got his degree. And, you know, when he first started playing high school football, yeah, he was the punter and the wide receiver, 150 pounds, soaking wet. Uh, the starting quarterback would wind up going to college. He got hurt. The backup got bit by a spider when he was out at dinner. So they needed a quarterback. Tonka stepped in, ran for a 50-yard touchdown on his first play. And the only mistake that Tonka really ever made in his whole life was coming home after college to see his mom. He came back six weeks later, he was dead. We still don't know why the case is still ongoing. And this is a city where only one in three uh, murders ever results in an arrest. There's just no such thing as justice there. And the poor mom uh, who I still maintain contact with is still determined five plus years later to find out who killed her only son and why. Horrific. We all sit around in our privileged lives believing, I guess, the fantasy which is that when something bad happens like this, the guilty are brought to justice. But that's just not the case in areas, so many areas of the country like New Orleans. It's just it's not a place where police are equipped to fight crime and it's not where people trust the police to fight crime. And, and some of that's fair and some of it's not fair. I mean, like, it, there's there's been horrific episodes between white and black residents and between black residents and police for decades. Like that's not new. We're just sort of starting to see some of this on grainy cell phone footage across the country in places like New Orleans. This has been happening for decades. So they don't trust the cops for a reason. Also, the cops aren't very good at their job. And, you know, one of the people I write about in this book is a homicide detective named Ray L. Johnson. He tries his tail off to solve these crimes. He's really emotionally invested in being good at his job. But when people don't trust you or talk to you, even if you're black, even if you're young, even if you're determined, it makes it almost impossible. So you can't just not prevent homicides from happening. Then you can't solve them. And it's just this endless cycle of bloodshed that for the most part, people just accept. Mm. The name of the book is Across the River. Uh, You can pick it up wherever books are sold. Great uh, stocking stuffer from Kent Babb of the Washington Post. Tell me more about Joe Thomas, Kent. I'm interested. Yeah, Bryce, the coach, is the main character of the book. Uh, Joe is uh, the protagonist. He's somebody who's uh, who he's the only son of a woman who basically grew up in the drug trade, is in prison when the story starts. He's on the verge of being homeless over a matter of $80. He's depending on this football program and the coaches, not just to get him to college, but to give him structure. He's a senior when the story starts. He's somebody that who I would not believe was real in 2019 America. And he's somebody who's just being around him and listening to him and seeing his story, I think changed my whole life. Where is he now? Uh, he's in college. He made it. And, and just because he did the right thing. And again, what he did is not complicated. It's not sophisticated. He completely changed from being a would-be gangster Uh, who was in gangs and witnessed his first murder when he was eight years old to be in a college kid that is probably going to make it. Am I allowed to ask how they did that year? Do they have a fourth or or would that be a spoiler? (laughs) Spoiler alert. I'm I'm dying to know. Did they win a fourth (laughs) consecutive under the under the uh, watchful eye of Kent Babb or not? Uh, They they may have competed for a state championship. (laughs) (laughs) Kent, when you uh, final question and thank you so much for joining us on Mitch Unfiltered. Um, 
You spent how long, would you say, there? A year off and on. Okay. So I, I never, I didn't live in New Orleans. I live in the greater Washington, D.C. area, and I flew back 19 times back and forth. Okay. I had a then two-year-old okay. daughter, uh, okay. but, but I spent tons and tons of time on the bus, in the meeting room, anything that I, was at, that I asked to be a part of. Uh, they said yes. Maybe a silly question from a, a talking head like me, but I'll ask it anyway. How are you different? When you, when you took the trip back to Washington the last time, the last of the 19 times, and you got off the plane in D.C., and you went back to the Washington Post headquarters, and you started writing stories like on our buddy Kevin Kelly, who I, I, wrote, I read your piece. He's been on our show a million times. Love him, the coach who doesn't punt and uh, onside kicks every single time. When you went back to your normal life, how was Kent Babb different from the experience? Yeah, that's not a silly question at all because I was different. And, you know, I changed how I parent my now four-year-old daughter. I mean, like I'm honest with her and, you know, I, my goal is to never lie, even if the, if the conversation is difficult or challenging. And, and look, I mean, this sounds so simple, but I think I understood how people, you know, quote, across the river live. I mean, I think that the cost of understanding is discomfort. If you're willing to be a little bit comfortable, yep. you can understand a whole lot. And I just had a more, I had a greater appreciation for how people in the shadows live and kind of what they have to do sometimes. It's way harder. I grew up poor as hell. It's way harder, even compared to that. And, and at least I have an, an understanding and appreciation for, for how hard it is to, to make it in America. Today. A willingness, you mean to say a willingness to be uncomfortable. You said comfortable. A willingness uh, yes, to be correct. uncomfortable. Very interesting stuff. I look forward to reading the book. Very good. Across the River from Kent Babby's, an award-winning sports writer for the Washington Post, has been in Kansas City, went to the University of South Carolina. I know all about you. I know more about you than, than you know about you. Thank you. I, I wish you and the book all kinds of success this holiday season. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Mitch, I appreciate it so much, man. Thank you very much. Let's catch up with the Zeke's Pizza president, Dapper Dan Black, who joins us back on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. How are we doing, Dan? How are Zeke's Pizzas doing? Well, obviously, I'm looking good, given my nickname. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, no, and Zeke's is doing well. Post-COVID, it's fun being open, having dining rooms open again. Pickup and delivery is still going good. People are ordering pizza, they're ordering beer, so yeah, it's fun. You know, Kraken fever is at a high, high pitch. Everybody's loving the Kraken. Everybody's loving Climate Pledge Arena. And the first ever location that I went to of Zeke's was that Belltown location. I would imagine that's a good spot pre and post game Kraken. Yes? Oh yeah, it's been awesome. We love the Kraken, uh, especially at that spot. You know, you mentioned the Belltown restaurant. It's got a great bar. I mean, it's like we always talk about, we have a really awesome Pacific Northwest beer list, but we've got cocktails, wine, everything you want in a full beer. So yeah, that location has been really lively before the game, the restaurant and bars packed out and then post game as well. We stay open late on Kraken nights. And so the bar fills up after the games, people just want to keep the party going and, and we're happy to do it with them. It's now, fun. You, now you told us about Spokane the last time you were on the show. What are we doing? we got a couple of newbies coming to Western Washington, I understand. Yeah, we're swinging hammers in Spokane. It's getting close. Uh, but then, yeah, we got a couple on the west side here, too, that are that are within striking distance. Uh, Mill Creek up north uh, is going to be coming online relatively soon. And then White Center as well, closer into the city. And, yeah, we expect them both to be really fun. The one in White Center is right in with Beer Star and stuff. So it's going to be a really cool location. And what's the Black family holiday choice in terms of orders? Yeah, for whatever reason, when it gets cold, we start to go a little bit more spicy on our end. So 
We're still drinking those fresh hop IPAs, so lateral A, but then the pizzas we're ordering that go good with them are the Cherry Bomb and the Dragon, which are kind of two of our classics. Both got a little kick to them, so nice. that's what we've been ordering. Gotta love Zeke's Pizza. Great partner of mine going back to the radio days, and Dan Black has been incredibly kind to us. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Boom, boom. So a year ago, our next guest came on the show and gave us some fun tips for holiday gifts. I know we're down the stretch and this is late, but for you last minute shoppers out here, it's time to get together with him again 12 months later. The best tech gifts under 250 bucks in Forbes magazine. Here's my old pal, Scott Kramer. Scott, how's your golf game? It's it's better than ever, Mitch. Thank you for asking. How about yours? <laughs> it's uh, it's dormant this time of year uh, up here in <laughs> Seattle. That's that's the best I could say about my golf game. Before we uh, get to the, the piece that you did for Forbes again this year, a week or two earlier, you did an article that was near and dear to my heart because you and I both share the love of golf. And, and you did something similar on great holiday gift ideas for golf lovers. A few of them caught my eye, and I want to get your thoughts on them. First of all, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a portable electric ball washer that goes on your bag, right? Well, it's not electric, but it is portable. Okay. And it's a great idea. Yeah, it's from a company called Clean Flight. And it's, it basically looks like one of those Yeti coffee mugs except it's got a ball washer built inside and you nice. just attach to your golf bag. Uh, outstanding idea. I wish I would have thought of it. Yeah. So the, the, the regular ball washers on the golf course, they've gone away in this COVID era, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've been out on the course and forgot that there's nothing there. So I wind up spitting on the ball and using yeah. a towel to yeah. dry it. It's messy. Yeah. 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 And then the other item from that piece I'd like to ask you about because we don't have one or I don't have one that the portable massage gun that everyone seems to have is oh, be, yeah. has become a huge thing these days. And I was wondering if you had a had an idea if there's one that's better than the others. I know there's a million out there now. Yeah, there sure is. And um, it, it's not that one's better than the other. You just want to get one that can actually fit in your golf bag. That's key for for golfers, Mitch, because you want to be able to put it in a pocket in your bag then yank it out and on a tee box, pull it out real quick and start it up. Mm -hmm. So there are a few available that are sized properly, but you want one that's going to be still inexpensive. So it can be banged around a little bit and you won't be devastated if it Bridge. you know gets crushed in a, in a cart barn or something. Which one did you review in your piece? The, yeah, I did the power plate mini plus and um, I think it's outstanding. It's super quiet and it's powerful. You know, the moment you turn it on, you know, it's a, a quality piece of technology. It's right, really good. Right. Okay. So let's graduate to your best tech gifts under 250 for our last minute holiday shoppers in our audience, Mitch Unfilter. I immediately cringed, Scott, when I noticed a high tech scale on your list. Who needs constant bad news? During the holidays, Scott, <laughs> I got to tell you, so this thing is, is so fun. I am obsessed and, and, and I'm not, it's not that I'm overweight or anything. I'm just <laughs> obsessed down to the 10th of a pound, how much I weigh at any given time of the day. Uh, and you'd be surprised, Mitch, how much your weight varies over the course of the day. 
I like tracking it. And every time I walk by the scale in our house, I just step on it for fun and look. Um, but yeah, my best time of the day is going to be early in the morning. What what makes it special? What makes it different? Who makes it and how much does it cost, Scott? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's from a company called Withings. Uh, they make a lot of high tech health related items. It's a hundred bucks. What I think is really cool is it tells you your BMI and and uh, in addition to your weight, among other things. And it's super easy to use and it's just kind of intuitive and you can sync it with a, uh, you know, one of the smartwatches. I don't, yeah. I just have it sitting in the bathroom. And, um, if you use the app, it'll actually track your weight and, and all that, you know, for as long as you want. Talking about the bathroom, you even threw a toothbrush on the list this year, Scott, <laughs> what prompted you to put a toothbrush on your list? I re I've regretted it ever since, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's Oral-B. This is not their first uh, trip to the rodeo here. So they have these smart toothbrushes and I've used them for probably like three or four years. This one's super cool, though. You know how electric toothbrushes kind of vibrate or spin around? Right. This thing just kind of I can't even explain it. It has a different sensation when you put it on your teeth. You feel super clean in about 30 seconds. And here's my problem with it. It's defaulted to give you a two minute brush. And my dentist told me, don't ever brush for that long because it's going to wipe the enamel off your teeth. <laughs> so at some point I will set it. But but what happens is if you don't meet its two minute limit, it gives you like a pouting face, uh, a little icon there. And I'm reminded of what a lousy toothbrush I am every time I do so, so what, which model is it and what is it going to cost me? Yeah, it's called, it's oral bees. It's called the IO series eight and okay. it's $149 and it comes with like four replacement brushes. The thing will last you for probably a year and a half just as is. And then you can buy replacement brushes along the way. But by the way, it's got a pressure sensor. So if you're pressing too hard on your teeth, it's going to start uh, lighting up in red. Yeah. And as soon as you ease up to the right pressure, it goes back to green. Nice. All right. A couple, yeah. a couple more on your list. Uh, tech, mm -hmm. tech items under $250. Uh, a Hewlett Packard printer you've got on there. Yeah, I do. Um, this thing is super cool. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm not a big HP fan uh, uh, when it comes to printers. I'd rather use an Epson. But this one kind of changed my mind a little bit. It's a desktop printer, right? And yep. then, and it's incredibly quiet. But what happens is it starts doing two-sided printing like on photos. So the coolest feature, and I don't even know if I put it in there uh, in the article, but if you put a photo, you want to print a photo out on the backside, you can put a caption like, hey, I took this in Seattle at the Kraken game and, you know, we won five to three that night. And oh. uh, it was a great time, you know, and that'll print out on the backside of the photo. That's really cool because you can have that thing. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have photos and albums, how many photos are in there. I have no idea when they were taken or where. And uh, this eliminates that that problem. Which model? How much? It's called the HP Envy Inspire, and it's two hundred and forty nine dollars. OK, just barely snuck under your uh, your two hundred and fifty dollar <laughs> price range. I think they they probably priced it to get into your article. Here's my secret. It was supposed to be a two hundred dollar article. And then that came up. So I put two. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I don't have a portable power supply. I'm one of the old fashioned guys who just looks yeah. for a plug in the wall. I know a lot of people walk around with these things so that they can power up their, 
their devices wherever they might be. You reviewed one in Forbes magazine. Yeah, Inova. It's it's E I N O V A. It's called the Ultra Fast Power Bank. Yeah. And it's seventy dollars. And what I really like about it, first of all, it's super fast at charging. I love that. And secondly, it just looks really cool. It's it's finished. It, they said it's an Italian designed soft waterproof linen canvas. And all I can tell you is it just looks quality and classy, you know, the moment you pull it out of the box. So I think it's outstanding and it works really well. And the people at the company are super nice. I mean, everything to like about this thing. And you can plug three different things into it at the same time? Yes. Yep. And they'll all charge simultaneously. Got it. Uh, how about field shear heated gloves, Scott? Okay, well, I'm in San Diego, but I got a <laughs> pair for my son in Chicago, and uh, yeah, these are these are great. There's a lot of there's a lot of gloves out there on the market that let you, including this one, that let you still wear the gloves and then touch your smartphones, and it'll, it'll sense what your fingers are pressing. That's great. But when you have a built-in heater in the wrist and you're in the Midwest during January, <laughs> this thing is, is fantastic. No more frozen fingers. Uh, and finally, from Scott Kramer, what in the world is Skillshare? Explain that to me. Okay. Another new obsession of mine. I think I watch this thing every day. So Skillshare is kind of like a YouTube library. You got to subscribe to it, but it's video lessons and classes on, I can't even tell you how many subjects, just thousands of subjects. So if you want to build up your LinkedIn profile, there's like five classes for that. If you want to learn how to write, there's, there's a dozen classes on that. If you want to, this is, this is the one I was doing the other day. I watched a seven part series on how to create uh, artwork of your foam in your latte, you know, in your coffee. And she was laughing at me until I made her one yesterday morning. And she's like, damn. <laughs> so, so, so what do you do? You're subscribing to like a website or where is it on the phone? Is it an yeah. app? What, what, what are you doing? It, it, yeah. The answers are yes. And yes, it, you can access it on your computer or as an app. And uh, you basically just log in you type in what you want to learn about and it's just people like you and I, you could have a, a show on how to make a podcast out there, but people do a really respectably great job. There are some well-known people out there who have some classes, but mostly it's just everyday Joe's and, you know, showing how they got to where they are, how you can get to where they are. That nice. type of thing. Nice. Super idea. Nice. And it's called Skillshare and it costs how much, I guess you download the app, S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E. You download the app and what will it run me? It costs $180 a year, but you can also access it by month. And I think it comes out to a little bit more, you know, a little bit, maybe I can't, I think it was like $15 or yeah. $14 a month or something if you want to do it that way. Very good. Scott yeah. Kramer, who's a uh, terrific writer. His work appears in a lot of different places like Forbes magazine. He's become an annual guest. So I guess I say <laughs> happy holidays to you, Scott, and your, your family, especially your cold son in Chicago. And um, I look forward to speaking with you in about 12 months from now. Okay. It's a deal, Mitch. Thanks so much. <laughs> Time to catch up with my friend, Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. Lindsay. How are you and how the holiday season's starting at my favorite steakhouse? Hey, Mitch, doing great. We had an awesome Thanksgiving. It was nice to see you there. 
and we're super excited for the month of December. It's going to be a really busy one for us. And it's the time of the season where we're always looking for stocking stuffers and Hanukkah gifts. You've got the famous Daniel's mixers being sold not only on Amazon, but now in local stores. Yeah, just in time for the holidays, and it is a perfect stocking stuffer, perfect holiday gift. Uh, we've got all four cocktail mixers, the Old Fashioned, the Lavender Martini, the Whiskey Sour, the Kentucky nice. Mule, available on Amazon and now at QFC. Now, I'm not a huge drinker, but one night after you gave me samples on the golf course, we sat at the table tasting drinks in the mixers, and we've decided that the Levy family is partial to the Lavender martini mixer what do you think about that it's great and we sell a ton of those in the restaurants that's always been a really popular drink as well as the old-fashioned i i actually kind of like the uh, whiskey sour the best but uh, everybody's different now you're offering a special deal to mitch unfiltered listeners like you did back on father's day how do we get that deal and what kind of deal do we get on these things yeah, we're going to do 10% off just for Mitch Unfiltered listeners. Nice. You just uh, type in the code MITCH10DB for that 10% off. We did it with you for Father's Day. It was really successful, and we're excited to do it for the holidays. And that code will be good through the end of the year. What's the cost of these mixers? They're 17 bucks before the discount. Okay. Very good. So go to Amazon.com. Or go to QFC, but to get the discount... Go to Amazon.com, discount code, would you say, Mitch10DB, as in Daniel's Broiler, and you'll get That's 10% right. off of any mixer that you want. They're very, very popular. Daniel's Broiler mixers for the holiday season, a great stocking stuffer. We love Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Hotshot Scott, episode 171, other stuff segment. You want to lead us off? I can't believe we're doing more COVID stuff, but I don't know if you saw that multiple SNL staffers tested positive, and no. Lauren Michaels decided to pull the plug on the live audience and I most watched. of the cast. I watched you that did show. Watch did you it. watch that show? Yes, I did. Because I didn't love it, but I, th I thought they, they, they did the best with what they could, right? I kind of liked when they tried to do Weekend Update with Tina Fey and Michael Che, and they had Tom <laughs> Hanks. Who yeah. was it? Three of them. Paul Rudd and, yeah. and uh, Keenan. Is Paul Rudd really sexier than I am? Uh, I'm going to have to look at some pictures after the show and get back to you just to confirm. <laughs> Come on. Sexiest yeah, man in the world? I know. Paul I think Rudd? Part of it, really? I think part of it is his personality. He just seems so freaking likable and so humble and just like a cool guy. I think that plays into it. Of course, like he's like 50. So, yes, I'm sure a 24-year-old out there is going to be better looking, right? Aesthetically. But he just seems like... The greatest guy. But to your point on the weekend update there, it's Tina Fey and Michael Che doing jokes for literally one of the toughest crowds ever. It's Tom Hanks, <laughs> Keenan and Paul Rudd. Like they were barely laughing. And it was that was kind of cool to have them just burn through their jokes. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I feel bad for, for Paul Rudd. I just feel bad for everyone. People, you, you, know. you know, that was the sweetest thing you've ever said on a Mitch Unfiltered Whoa. podcast. Yeah. When you said that you think it's the personality that makes him sexy, that gives us all. All a chance. <laughs> well, again, I'm going to have to think about that with you and him after the show. And now I'll go over personalities and I'll get back to you. But you'll be sad to know that the Rockettes are canceling the rest of their 2021 oh, performances as well no. because of COVID. Yeah, you're just like the kind of guy that had seen the Rockettes at some point in your life. You ever seen the Rockettes? I've never seen. Yeah, and I am the type of guy that would go see the yeah. Rockettes, but I've never seen the Rockettes. Huh. Well, if I have, have never to that, been to. What's the name of the theater? 
Yeah, uh, Radio City. Radio City Music. I've never been to Radio City Musical. Okay. So I just figured you would have seen them at some point. Yeah. Congratulations are in order. Is it my turn? Should I ring the bell? Yes, sir. Congratulations are in order to Graham Kapowson High School in the state of Washington. You know who they are, the Eagles? Do you know who they are? Well, I watched them win the state championship in football. No, you watched them win the national championship. Oh, maybe you watched them win the state. I'm talking about the game that was this yeah. weekend against the I didn't seven see eight. It. Oh, okay. You're you're talking about a different game than I am. Yeah. The Graham Kapowson Eagles from the great yeah. state of Washington played against the seven A state champions from Georgia. Ooh. Okay. Whoa. Who boasted, by the way, somebody that we've talked about on this show and we're going to talk about again. Travis Hunter, the number one player in high school football, who has yep. decided to take his exploits to Jackson State, Jackson State and Deion Sanders instead of one of the biggies. Well, congratulations to Graham Kapals, and they played him in kind of a quasi-national championship game. And with yeah. one second left, Joshua Wood, the quarterback, hit Stephen Mars, the wide receiver, with one second left wow. to win the game 40-36. to 36. Over the Georgia 7A state champs. There you go. Wow. I wish I would have yeah. watched that because I actually I watched the oh, whole state high- championship game. Oh, you got to watch the highlights mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. They're Matt all over the place. That was good, man. That oh, was no. a good team. Oh, no. You got to watch the highlights for a lot of reasons because our buddy Travis Hunter, who we're going to talk yeah. about next, he scored at least two touchdowns, including the go-ahead touchdown with 25 seconds to go on a wide receiver screen that he ran all the way for a touchdown, thinking that he had given his team the win. And then Graham Kapowson only had 25 seconds or 30 seconds to come down yeah. and score. the. It was a crazy ending. And there, was, crazy. and there was also one catch earlier in the game, Hotshot. You've got to see the Travis Hunter catch earlier in the game for a touchdown. Oh, this guy's got superstar yeah. written all over him. I mean, a couple weeks ago, they're they're playing like Marysville, (laughs) and now they're now they're playing freaking Travis Hunter. Yeah, I mean, like, what the hell, man? Yes, yeah, that that's crazy. And and, check it out. And before you you resume, I'll tell you that the Travis Hunter story, which I think we talked about either on the P episode or last week, which I'm just, yeah, I'm on. I I think is a crazy great story that the greatest high school player in America has decided for whatever reason to go to Jackson State. You know what people are saying, right? In this day and age of NIL, you know what they're saying. Well, they're saying that Dion worked some kind of deal and Correct. got him some money and promised him some crazy lucrative deal to come there. Otherwise, why would the number one player in high school football not go to Alabama or Georgia or Florida State where he's supposed to go? Right. And, and Sanders reacted. He responded to those accusations he this did. week. He did. Want me to give you the quote? <clears throat> yes, sir. We didn't pay him, and I quote, he said in an interview, this is Dion <laughs> Sanders, we ain't got no money. We ain't got no money, says Dion Sanders. <laughs> He went on to say, I heard a million and a half, and I heard Dave Portnoy over at Barstool. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard, Deion Sanders says. You know what that is? That means we kicked your butt, we took what was ours, and now you got to make up an excuse why. Ain't nobody getting no million and a half. I wouldn't pay my son a million and a half on an NIL. How am I going to coach a guy making more money than me? Deion Sanders wants to know. So he says there's no truth to the rumor that this guy's making a lot of money by coming to Jackson State. So, well, maybe there wasn't a check for 1.5, but maybe <laughs> something is set up down the road for him to make. I mean, there's got to be a little something there, right? I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I love Dion, but he does seem like a bit of a blowhard at times. So I don't know. I don't know if I believe. I, yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see. I don't know. Will yeah. we see? 
I mean, I think, yeah, I think we'll eventually find out if, if okay. he's got some deal set up for him. And he's just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's a crazy story. It's yeah. just, um, it's insane. Do you, I really like crazy, the story. Did you see Jake Paul, by the way? Jake Paul fought yeah, Tyron I, Woodley again? I, I, I'm, I'm, I really want to say that I didn't see it, but I did see the one punch knockout. Yes, wow. I saw the one punch knockout. Wow. I'm not, that was a I'm one not better off knockout. for having seen it. I'm not better off. No, you're not. And I think it's time that Jake Paul start fighting boxers and not 39-year-old ex-MMA guys. Maybe step in the ring with a boxer. I don't know who the guy he fought was. I don't know. Did you see who was on the undercard? Darren Williams versus Frank Gore. Am I right? In a boxing match. Yes. 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 What the hell is going on in this world of ours? Darren Williams was like, I think he was the point guard on, on an Olympic team. Like, he was oh. really good. Oh, Darren Williams right? was fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Jersey net. All-star guard, point guard. I think he went yeah. to Illinois. Yeah. And Frank Gore, of course, was really right. good we for a, a million years. I would have thought that Frank Gore would be a, a tougher guy than uh, Darren Williams. I was surprised with the result with yeah. that fight. Yeah. Did you yeah, watch so Darren it Williams? No? He, well, I saw the highlights of that. Yeah. I, I I did watch it. In fact, the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight was really boring. All three of us were watching it going, this is kind of lame. They just kept hugging and hugging and then bam. bam. Yeah. He One was punch. out before he hit the mat, the poor guy. One punch, yeah. So these little smart-ass, annoying Paul brothers continue to keep the, kick the crap out of people our age. And you keep and bringing them up the on crap the podcast. And it's bugging the crap out of me that you keep bringing them up on the podcast. <laughs> All right, fine, I'm done. You I'm know how done. many times I've edited that out? I'm getting tired <laughs> of editing the Paul brothers out of the podcast. Well, I should listen to the podcast from time to time. <laughs> <and I know. laughs> oh, dear. So the bowl, are you watching any of the bowl games? Some of the early bowl games? There's like 43 of them that are going to be played between now and the end. Not yet, watching I them. I, I will. I'm watching them more than I've ever watched before because my son and I got into a pool. Mm. One of these pools yes. by your buddy, you know, that your oh, buddy, yeah. he, he's got a college football kind of a, you throw a bunch of money in. Everybody picks every bowl game. So what you do is you pick, you pick every bowl game and then um, what's the word that they use? Confidence points. Do you know what confidence points are? No. So there's 43 bowl games, and you have to pick the winner of all 43 games. Okay. But you have to assign a point total, one through 43, oh. to every game that you choose. I've been in a pool like so that. So your most conf confident game that you have, yeah. you put 43, 42, yeah. and the least confident is a one. Yep. And then you watch the bowl games, and the results are tallied, and every game you either, if you get the right win, if you if you pick the game right, you get that, those points most That's points cool. at the end. So I find myself watching these bowl games that I never would have watched. <laughs> of course, you have action. You I watch got anything. action. I got two, action. Two, two drops of water on the ceiling. Which one's going to fall first? <laughs> I mean, you and I will stare at the ceiling for hours here, until it falls. But here's what I noticed. And, and I know that everybody loves bowl games and everybody's thrilled that bowl games are back. And I know that bowl games are much more than about attendance. But I got to tell you something. At least the first three or four that I watched, I have never seen emptier buildings oh when i say that these buildings are empty i'm not talking about like ten thousand people in a fifty thousand seat or sixty or seventy thousand seat stadium that's not what i'm talking about okay some of these games that i'm watching there's like hundreds there's like really? no, there's literally you would think that it's covid that they've closed the they've closed the arena down or they've closed the stadium down and they're not letting people in it is amazing how empty these buildings are. And yet, 
we're playing these bowl games. And I, I, I guess it, it, you know, TV dollars, I guess kids love to go play and it doesn't have yeah. to, doesn't have to attract a big audience, but I, it is amazing how empty these places are. Does it like, I mean, are we talking like decent sized schools or, you know, with decent well, sized fan bases or are they kind of smaller? Well, I think or? one of them. Yeah. They're kind of smaller. I think I watched the college Charleston. Okay. Uh, I watched Fresno state and Jake Hayner. Oh yeah. I watched, you know, I watched a few of the early ones, but there's literally nobody huh. there. Nobody there. Hmm. I mean, just nobody there. So before we move on, I think people want to know, are you going to tell us who your 43 point, what your 43 point bowl well, is? Well, it's, it's Max and I, we're, we're combining on the effort. Okay. And we just looked at each other and he said to me when we decided to do this, do you know anything about college football teams? <laughs> and I said, no, do you? He said, no. Perfect. We're in. <laughs> so he, we decided just to make Alabama in oh. both the semifinals and the finals are 42 and 43 point games. Ooh. So we're no, going gonna to go. As, we're going to go. You're going to root against Alabama. I uh, didn't say that. We, we're going to go as far as Alabama will take us. Wow. That's right. it. We just put all our marbles in the Alabama basket. But we're so probably you, not the only ones who did that, by the way, but whatever. So you didn't want to just check the like the, the biggest point spreads in Vegas? We did that. With the biggest mismatch? It, we did that. And Alabama's the biggest favorite? Well, they're, you know, they're one of them. Yeah, certainly oh, one okay. of them. Yeah, if not the biggest, especially the semifinal game against Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I think yeah. they're a money line minus 500 in that game. Okay. Which is who's going to win. And so, yeah, and and I, I don't know. I just don't think Alabama's going to lose to Cincinnati, and I'll take my chances with Nick Saban against the winner of Michigan and Georgia. All That's right, what we decided to, uh, just because we don't know much about the other teams. And then we looked at everything else. We looked at spreads and who's opting out. We had fun filling it out. I good. don't know that we'll do any good. We're actually six and two in the first eight games. We picked That's six shabby. winners of the first eight games. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. All right. Bruce Springsteen, he's going to end up saving millions in taxes every year, courtesy of his record-setting sale of this. his music catalog. $500 million? That would be $500 million. Yes. Now, Bob Dylan, Stevie Nicks, Neil Young, Shakira, Imagine Dragons, and others have also made the same move. So, uh, essentially, they're already in the highest tax bracket, which means they'd be paying around 40% in federal taxes on their income from the annual royalties. Right. Now, the royalties go to whoever buys the catalog and that's the true brilliance of these deals because they're paying the taxes on it. So anyway, he just got a big lump sum of $500 million for writing all those Beautiful. crappy songs that he, no, I, I, I like, no, I, I like Bruce Springsteen. I'm joking. I know people love him. So I was just trying to goof around. Would you I ever just, do one of your podcasts on Bruce Springsteen or no? It'd be a five parter. I mean, he's been, it's just, it'd be too I, big. He's got so many songs. It would like, I don't so know. you don't do the real big ones because it would, you, you can't fit it all into an hour. Here's what I love. I love somebody who who burned white hot for a while and then but but then yeah. didn't make it through to like Billy okay. Joel, Elton John status. Okay. Like Pat Benatar, like you probably wouldn't even recognize her if she was next to you in line at the grocery store. Oh, yes, store, I would. Right? Yes, I would. At 65, you'd recognize no, her? No, no, probably not at 65. <laughs> if she was 25, you would. Yes, who, said, but... who said I'm 65? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You don't recognize anybody anymore. Uh, anyway, good, good for Bruce for landing on his feet. <laughs> Earning a couple bucks. Have you heard the latest chapter of the Kyrie Irving story, Hotshot? Yeah, I've been following it a bit. Yeah. So he refused to be vaccinated. He's one of the many. He was suspended by the Nets because he couldn't play home games anyway. They decided not to play him on road games. And then because of all these COVID casualties, they needed to get they needed more people. So they brought him back. They lifted the suspension and they brought him back and they planned to use him in 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 road games. And he lasted one day and is now on the COVID list. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I don't know why we're laughing. I know, we I probably know. shouldn't be laughing. One, one day, day. One day. He never made he made it to, I, uh, I don't I don't even think he made it to one practice. 
and he was COVID positive and he's on the COVID list. So I didn't see, I didn't, so the, I did not know that. So the Kyrie Irving era has come oh. to a screeching halt. I, I, th- I think I'm laughing because he, he sent out this sort of cryptic message on social media where he's putting on his shoe, like, look yeah. who's back, you yeah. know, like yeah. kind of self aggrandizing yeah. and, and didn't even make it one day. <laughs> God, of course. Do we even talk about urban Meyer? I don't think well, we, we talked. We about talked him, about him we? a lot on the last segment, and I have him on my notes. I was going to ask you a question, but go ahead. Yeah, what do you got question. on? Urban? I mean, he got well, let go. Everyone knows that by now. It, but yeah. and he's yeah. the world's worst human being. And he kicked Looks a like kicker. It. And he said nasty things to Daryl Bevel and um, Brian Schottenheimer. Probably the same things that I've been saying about Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer for a lot of years. Yeah, right. Um, but he got in trouble for it. So he's out of football, and he's the world's worst guy. He, and, and, the, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are saying they're not going to pay him the remainder oh. of his contract. They're, they're claiming that they, they fired him for cause. So he's violated his contract and they're going to try to get – I'm sure there's a lawsuit coming. Yeah, He'll probably he'll try that. to get millions out of Jacksonville and they don't want to pay him. So that's a story. But my question to you is now what becomes of Urban Meyer? And the reason I ask you that is, you know, I don't like him either. I'm not a, I'm not a fan – I don't think much of him. I've never been a fan of him. I used to I used to get, go after him hard on the old radio show. He was one of the guys on my list that I never got a good feeling from him. Mm-hmm. But here's the truth of the matter. He was an enormously successful college football coach. Yeah. And you would think that we would start hearing now people coming out of the woodworks from some of the teams that he coached, like Ohio State and Florida, maybe former players of his saying, hey – I'll tell you the story of what happened when we were at Florida together. Or, hey, wait till you hear what he did to us at Ohio State. But I haven't heard many people come out of the woodworks. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe somebody is shouting at the podcast. No, no, Mitch, there have been many. I have not seen anybody kind of jumping onto the Urban Meyer pile Hmm. from college, which tells me, and I don't want to, I don't know, tells me that he wasn't the world's worst. Maybe he was just a bad guy. He wasn't the world's worst guy when he was coaching Florida Utah and Ohio State. Maybe he was. Maybe he was a bad guy. So my question was going to be to you is if if your favorite college football team, let's say Washington didn't have a coach. And instead of hiring the guy from Fresno State, they decided to hire Urban Meyer. How would you feel about that? This is a guy who won a national championship at Florida. He won a national championship at Ohio State. He has been nothing but ultra successful in college football. And you're asking me what I would think if they What would you him? think if your favorite college football team hired Urban Meyer? I'm buying season tickets. You like Bring it. Bring it on. You like it. I mean, like you said, I haven't heard anything bad from his college days. Maybe the NFL game just irritated him and he just became... I mean, remember the story about him going to the bar? He didn't even take the team plane. Yes, and yes. Maybe he just couldn't. Maybe the pro game just wasn't for him and it was just rubbing him the wrong way and he thought they were all prima donnas and he's meant to be in college. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, even though he did kick a player and dance with girls in bars, you know, behind his wife's back. But, you know, other than that, I'll give him the benefit of that. I'd, I'd be excited if, if UW got Urban Meyer. Do you I think you're in the majority or the minority? You think minority. Most, most college football fans would not want him. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think they would not want him, and I think they'd be wrong. I think he's got it in him to, to turn a program around again. Oh. Well, he's done it a couple times. Yeah. He's cut, done yeah. it a couple times. And, and how many guys out there are, are living right now with multiple national championships? Yeah, I don't know. Let's Not take many, right? let's take Nick Saban out of the mix. Yeah. 
How many can you name? How can not only how many can you name with with multiple national championships? How many can you name with multiple national championships at two different schools? Crazy. Yeah. Urban Meyer. I mean, uh, Nick Saban did it at LSU and at Alabama. But outside of him, who's left? Right. I can't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm in. So by the way, so Jen Cohen comes to you and says, hot shot. I'm going to let you decide. Oh, boy. I'm going to let this guy, I'm going to let I'm going to let this guy DeBoer go before he coaches a game <laughs> and hire weeks. and hi, and hire Urban Meyer. Should I do it? You say to Jen, go for it. Get well, rid of, get rid of DeBoer. Well, Jen, I, I wish you would have come to me before you made the decision <laughs> on DeBoer. Well, Urban, Urban wasn't available at that point. No, he was not. You know, he was not. But maybe we could have hung in there a little longer to see if he was going to be let go. But no, I mean, yeah, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with DeBoer, of course, but. Yeah, I I think he's got some coaching in the college level in him, and I would be excited. I think that would be the splash that the University of Washington could use, but I'm probably in the minority there. Seahawks lost their former quarterback and current quarterback coach Austin Davis. You know that name? Yeah, he was the quarter. He was a backup to for Russell Wilson there for a while. He's become the offensive coordinator at Auburn, so he's on the rise in the college ranks. The Kraken yep. are postponing games. They've got a few players that have tested positive for COVID, so I think they. They canceled or postponed their Sunday game, did the Kraken, so they're not going to lose. We know that. And I have one last story that I'm going to wait until you're ready. So if you have anything else on your list, you go first, and then I'll I'll hit you with my last story. I meant to say about Urban Meyer, do you see his daughter's tweets? Gigi, I want to say her name is? No, no. All I'm going to say, you can look them up for yourself, everybody, is that you got to find somebody who loves you as much as Gigi loves her dad. Okay. I mean, she was going hard at people about what a great guy he is and that she had all these examples and receipts. And it, again, doesn't mean he is. I'm just saying, find somebody who's in your corner the way Gigi Meyer is in her dad's corner. That's another thing I would look at. I, I, I have a sweet one. I want to give you real quick. Daryl Slack, a UPS driver for 29 years mm. said he was making deliveries in turtle town. When he spotted his resident appearing distraught in the front yard of a home, she said, our dog's gone. I just told her we'll find him. She was in tears thinking she'd never see their little Jack Russell terrier Pete again. Mm. The driver said he was in a nearby remote area when he spotted little Pete in the distance, threw him in the back with the packages and hand delivered little Pete back to the lady who was crying. So good for UPS driver, Daryl Slack. There you go. There's a sweet story for you. I'm a family. I am too. Is your, I guess is your final, is your final story a sweet story too? Or is it, is it, well, I mean, hide the women and kids. I've well, you want to do that, but I've decided (laughs) to just give you some, uh, some headlines. Before you do that. Yeah. Who won the father's son? I told you that Tiger Woods and his son did not win yeah. the father's son, but it was an, a, an incredibly kind of a heroic weekend for Tiger and Charlie Woods. But they did not win. They finished second. Who did they finish yeah. second to, Hotshot Scott? Well, that would be the Dailies yes. of John Daly fame. Would yes. you call John Daly a colorful character? I, I'm actually surprised he could still play golf at a high <laughs> level. Like I, I mean, yes, I think he is a colorful character. John Daly earlier in the week before the tournament started, Hotshot Scott, made some news. Okay. He, uh, he posted on his Instagram account the following, quote, advice, don't drink and order Taco Bell on Uber Eats, <laughs> in caps, complete with a sticker of flashing police lights. You see, oh. John Daly was in Miami with some buddies. And he uh, had a few too many and decided he was hungry and he wanted he wanted some Taco Bell. 
Who hasn't? And I, and I'm not talking about for him and his buddies. He wanted some Taco Bell for him, right? And he was a little bit uh, a little bit schnockered. Okay. And uh, he ordered ten crunchy Taco Supremes. Oh, jeez. Ten spicy double steak grilled cheese burritos. Other visible items on the tag that he posted: five grilled cheese burritos, one beef burrito, Jesus. and twenty miles. The total tab on his Uber Eats for him and Taco Bell: four hundred and forty-six dollars and ten cents. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Some of their tacos are seventy-nine cents. By the way, you got to work your ass off to spend that kind of money at Taco Bell. That's oh. incredible. And the funny thing about this story, well, it's not funny, but it's it's true. If you had seen this story and I hadn't, and you came to me on the podcast and said, Mitch, a former professional or a, a current professional golfer, a guy who's been around for a while, got drunk and, and spent $446.10 on yeah. Taco Bell while he was drunk, Name the name the person. I would have gotten it on the first guess. Yeah, he would have been the, twenty questions. <laughs> would you? <laughs> he would have been the first. I would have said John Daly, and you would say right. I mean, I mean, it just fits yeah. him, right? I, I mean, know. who it's else? So on who brand. else? Who else is it going to be than John right. Daly getting absolutely blasted and and spending four hundred and forty six dollars at Taco Bell? No one else. Ernie Els? No. No. <laughs> uh, let's keep going here. Oh gosh, that's hilarious. One guy, and that's him. Anyway. I mean, you, you go to Taco Bell because it's affordable. <laughs> At some point when it stops becoming affordable, just go somewhere nice. I don't know. All right. Uh, I got some headlines if you're ready. Yes. A rare copy of Superman 1, the comic book that sold on newsstands for a dime in 1939, was purchased for $2.6 million Ooh. in an auction. A comic wow. book that was once 10 cents. The comic shows Superman leaping over tall buildings on the cover. It was sold Thursday night to a buyer who wishes to maintain a secret identity. Even at the auction, the buyer wore a disguise completely fooling everyone by simply wearing a pair of glasses. We all knew it was Clark Kent the whole time, right? All he did was put a pair of glasses on. All right. New Zealand's government believes it has. Thank you so much. That's about a three. Uh, New Zealand's government <laughs> believes it's come up with a unique plan to end tobacco smoking, a lifetime ban for those age 14 or younger. Now, mm -hmm. under a new law, the government announced Thursday it plans to pass next. The minimum age to buy cigarettes would keep rising year after year. That means in theory, at least 65 years after the law takes effect, shoppers could still buy cigarettes, but only if they proved they were at least 80 years old. Teenagers are outraged by this, with one quoted as saying, now I'm never going to look cool. Smoking makes you cool. All right, a Mississippi woman took to TikTok to confess how she <laughs> cried for a week About after four. accidentally live streaming herself, having marital relations with her husband, oh. live streaming it on live Facebook. Streaming. Yeah. Oh. On accident, she explained she was browsing Facebook oh. before her husband sidled up to her and began to get frisky, saying, I just set my phone down without locking it and managed to somehow uh -oh. click the button to go live. Forty six people saw the action, including her own father. Oh, the woman. Yeah, she was distraught, crying for a week, all while reminding everyone to smash that subscribe button. Eric Clapton <laughs> sued a woman who was trying to. She's probably like that. Eric Clapton sued a woman who was trying to hawk one of his CDs, a bootleg oh, I saw one, this. no less. I saw this. For about yeah. $11. $11. Now, yeah. He's won. He, he won the yeah, lawsuit. I know. Yeah. Yet another incredible move by Eric Clapton, who's on quest to become the world's biggest asshole. I mean, just Google <laughs> Eric Clapton and you'll see. All right. A Michigan woman collected a million dollar jackpot from a scratch off lottery ticket she received as a birthday gift from her brother. Mm. The 68 year old Detroit woman said, that her brother gave her a $1 million jumbo cash scratch-off ticket, which cost wow. $10 wow. as a gift for her birthday. When reached for comment, her brother was quoted as saying, 
Hey, sis, thanks for the sweater on my birthday. (laughs) And finally, police in Ohio said they are on the hunt for an unusual piece of stolen property, an entire 58-foot-long pedestrian bridge. The Akron Police Department said the bridge formerly served as a walkway along the city, but was moved to an open field as part of a wetlands restoration project. And to think, my whole life, I scoffed when someone offered to sell me a bridge. (laughs) It was a real thing this whole time. Who the hell knew? Uh, very right. good, Hotshot Scott. Three, three is a two and a five. I'll take it. I think the last one, uh, the second to last one was about a seven. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. All right. I'll Thank you so seven. much. Seven nice. from the Canadian judge. There it is. <laughs> the, uh, the Christmas week edition. So you and I together for a segment right after the Rams and Seahawks finish. I'm not feeling good about it. Wait, you're not feeling good about the game happening? Or uh, about- well, I, I think the game will definitely happen. Okay. And I think the Seahawks will lose and we'll be talking about five and nine and the season will then essentially be over. And then you and I will dig into the NFL draft right after that. God. <laughs> Which, I, players have these weird defense mechanisms where they, they, they go right into the draft once their team's uh, out of it. I love oh. watching that on, on the message boards. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> oh, boy. The game should have been played on Sunday. Should have been played on Sunday. Let the best team win. Anyway, Hotshot Scott and I, episode 171. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll speak to you on Tuesday night. Remember, that show will be unlocked for everybody who wants to hear it, but will will reside on the Patreon site. So you go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Mitchie the Kid. It'll be unlocked for everybody. Episode 171. This one is in the books.